Hi guys, this is Erica Weston with Fox Sports Midwest, and you're listening to my favorite St. Louis Blues hockey podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. ready to hear some noise tonight you're just seconds away from let's go blues radio all over the hockey universe No doubt about it, eh? You're listening to Kurt, Bill, and Jeff on Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues hockey fan podcast. Take it away, boys. Nice onesie. Is it coming men's? Oh, I think you come in men enough for all of us. And anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 48 of Let's Go Blues Radio, the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. We're broadcasting live on Tuesday, January 14th, 2020. This is franchise episode number 234 all-time. Your hosts tonight are yours truly, Kurt Price, Bill Day, and Jeff Ponder. And for your listening pleasure, for the next little while, we'll be talking Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues Hockey to Interact with the show on social media. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGV Radio. My handle is at Kurt Price. Bill's is at Billy Blue Note. And Jeff's is at JPonder94. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. And, of course, our YouTube channel uh, where the show is broadcast live. Uh, don't forget to check out uh, and like and subscribe so you'll get notifications when we do go live each week. Uh, for those of you watching the live show right now on YouTube, you can comment in the live chat on my left which would be your right. Uh, the website is letsgoblues.com, uh, where you can listen to uh, or watch past episodes, browse the fan discussion forum, as well as get some cool St. Louis Blues-themed T-shirts, mugs, and stickers. That helps uh, support the show. So if uh, you enjoy the show, we ask that you wouldn't mind leaving us a shiny, happy review on iTunes, uh, maybe buy a sticker or whatever. Uh, uh, all proceeds do go back into the show. So um, we uh, we had some downtime with our website, so uh, that's it's fine. Uh, did you guys see it was back up today? Finally, about two hours ago, it was down for five days. Great work! So Kurt. anybody who tried to visit, <laughs> I did nothing. Uh, everybody was uh, uh, it was just a five days of uh, excuses from the server admin. So we're back up and running. Uh, so it was not Kurt's fault. So for everybody that's on Twitter blaming <laughs> Kurt. Um, it's typically no, his it your fault, fault, but not this time. Yeah, we say you, you did was, say that that it was my fault. I, 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 you know what? It, it was not your fault. The, the thing is, is that it was it, you, 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 you knocked over the first domino. You caused me to go in and uh, and and mess with things, and then it kind of you know went, went south. I asked for <laughs> him to help me reset my password, and all of a sudden, because somehow you that turned into a thing. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway. Is what it is. You know, I typically don't, I don't start the show like this, boys, but I want to say we got a pretty awesome comment here right at the top uh, in our YouTube chat. Jimmy Anderson says, good evening, fellas. We are so damn good right now. Has there ever been a better time to be a Blues fan? I think that's an excellent question. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. We're going to we talk will. about that exact topic. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a special guest this evening on Let's Go Blues Radio, uh, Mr. Jeremy Rutherford, who writes for The Athletic. Uh, welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us. No, thank you guys. And now I have an answer uh, to my question that I've been wondering for months. What's that? <laughs> Which is? <laughs> I asked uh, Erica Weston if she would do a short video and say that uh, 
We Went Blues is her favorite podcast, and she said she couldn't. And I asked her, I asked her why she couldn't do that, and she couldn't give me an answer. So now I know. There you go. We got to it. her first. Way to I go, boys! It. I love it. You know, Jeremy, it's funny because we were talking about whether we should bring you on once we're live or bring you on before, and I said. You know, Kurt, I want to bring him on before the show starts because I want to make sure he sees that open. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a great open. That's good. Yeah. But I'm going to have to give her some trouble. Uh, yeah. There you go. No, thanks well, for we having are the me, favorite. guys. This is great. <laughs> of course. Uh, and we went at the top here. I think we'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't let you uh, plug your podcast. You mentioned the title, We Went Blues. Uh, go ahead. What What are uh, people listening to if they tune into We Went Blues? Oh, a bunch of garbage, really. Uh, just uh... <laughs> That's what this show is. <laughs> We've already got that market cornered. <laughs> you do you? Yeah. No, it's just uh, a sports writer talking about eating a bunch of bad meals on the road and Barrett Jackman telling everybody how good he was. <laughs> you guys talk about how you like to style your hair. Ah. <laughs> yeah, both of us. Uh, great hair. That's a good point. We're trying to get some uh, hair product endorsements. You can get. Have it, have it, that, I, I see logo opportunities with with the two the two heads. Totally. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Put something right here. Yeah, get sure. like an ad right here. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> a little tattoo. You know, Kurt. Next time he comes on, you need to work on getting like a logo to like go right on top of where his head is. A Let's I like lose right I like it. I can logo. make that happen. <laughs> yeah, get get a logo, and uh, I'll do a David Solomon and stand in the back of the interview so everybody can see it on Fox Sports Midwest. So. There you go. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, uh, we're here for a reason, obviously, and that's because uh, for, for those of you that subscribe to The Athletic or maybe follow one of us or follow Jeremy himself on Twitter, which, by the way, you could do at uh, JP Rutherford, um, there was a great article that came out the last couple days I think it was yesterday was when this one uh, came out. Uh, Jeremy actually sat down uh, with um, uh, former Blues head coach Mike Yo, and uh, this was the first time he's ever really talked in public and and especially interviewed about him being let go by the Blues over a year ago. And uh, uh, Jeremy, you made that happen, so I think I can uh, speak for all of St. Louis when I say. There was some questions that we all had that we wanted answered by him, and we want to uh, thank you for, for finally getting that out of him because uh, there's been a lot of people wondering a lot of stuff that he talked about. No, I just think it's a situation where, uh, Jeff, most times when a coach is fired, regardless of the sport, they speak relatively soon, you know, a couple weeks, uh, maybe a month after they were let go. Uh, but these were, as we all know, different circumstances. I mean, you know, say what you want to say, positive, negative. Uh, did you like Mike Yo? Did you question some of his coaching? Uh, but still, we're talking about a human being here who uh, lost a job and then had to watch that team that he coached go on and, and win the Stanley Cup. So uh, it took him a while to agree to talk, but uh, I texted him last week and he invited uh, us up to the practice facility in uh, New Jersey and uh, we had a chance to sit down with him for about an hour. Uh, when when was the interview actually conducted? Yeah, last uh, Friday. Last Friday. Okay. Um, so so obviously he invited you into the practice facility, and um, did you kind of already? I'm sure. I mean, somebody who who works in this field for as long as you have, there's probably a lot of things you said. I probably can't ask him this, but uh, as you kind of became more comfortable with talking with him again, as you have a many times in the past, 
did you start feeling more comfortable where you could maybe ask him things you wouldn't have normally? Well, I think a situation, and you guys have all been involved in, in interviews and, and probably something really similar, is you ask questions, but once you get somebody going, they do a lot of the talking. And so you might have to steer the interview a little bit in terms of, you know, if they get off course and start talking about the penalty kill for 15 minutes, you want to get back to, hey, what were some things that you regretted or, or uh, the accountability factor with this team? We saw that when Craig Bruby came in, uh, the, the team was really held to a high standard. Uh, you know, Mike, what challenges did you face, you know, holding some of these players accountable? And, you know, so you try to get the interview uh, back on course a little bit. But for the most part, because Mike Yo had a, to kind of think about things or 14 months, um, he knew what he wanted to say. You know, there is a motive, an agenda when you agree to do a type of interview like this. So, you know, I'm sure Mike thought long and hard about what he wanted to say. And so basically, you know, we opened up and, and he just laid it out there. And so, yes, you do go into the interview. Uh, a lot of people script their questions. I don't like doing that. I like jotting down talking points. Uh, a lot of people today are critical of reporters who make statements and lead the person into a, a conversation. They think that you must ask a question. It, it has to end in a question mark. I understand that. That's professional. However, I have learned over 20 years of doing this that more times than not, if you just kind of lead somebody into the conversation, let them take you where they want to take you, a lot of times you'll get better information. If you ask a specific question, you know, they're going to give you an answer that's you know, only associated with that. You know, so if, if you leave it a little open-ended, you know, they might tell you something more than you bargained for. So I think in doing that with Mike Yo uh, in this interview, it allowed him to uh, speak and say some of the things that uh, you guys read in the story. It's funny that you say that because um, back when I interviewed your co-host when he was in, uh, in on the Blues, I do remember one time specifically after a loss, I asked him a question that was more of a statement, and he just looked at me and said, is there a question in there? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I kind of rewarded it, and then he said, uh, yeah, next time maybe just lead with that. <laughs> so so <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm sure you remember how bare it was after losses. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And, and you know, I, I say that. I say that you, you lead somebody into uh, a topic that you want to talk about. You know, everybody's different. You know, you can go into that and you can uh, make a statement to five of them and they'll respond just as Jax did there and, and say, hey, ask a question. So, you know, you got to feel out, uh, feel out the uh, interviewee. Uh, but in Mike's case, to answer your question, uh, you know, I just kind of had to throw out some topics and uh, he was he was ready to, uh, you know, say some of the things that have been built up in his mind for a long time. So obviously there's a lot to take in with this interview. This was, um, I'm sure, a very something you probably focused a lot of time on, I would guess, over the weekend since you had this interview on Friday. Um, but uh, one, there's a lot of things he talked about, things he did incorrectly, things he felt he could have done differently. Um, and, you know, I don't want to give away the, 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 the key pieces of the article here because, again, if you're not uh, subscribed to The Athletic, you need to do that now and read this article and everything else Jeremy and all the other hockey crew uh, writes over there. Um, but uh, he mentioned uh, about how he should have pushed harder at the end of the 2017-18 season. And this was the year the Blues were, I think, in first place in December and then fell off 
the map and just uh, and missed the playoffs by a point. Um, did he elaborate at all on what changes he would have made to his philosophy? If, you know, he said a lot, I should have pushed harder, I pushed harder. But, you know, he didn't really say much. What, what could he have pushed differently? Well, I, I just think be more demanding and do uh, specifics. You know, I asked him, and, you know, I, I think you could look at a, a variety of areas. It could be in practice. You know, a lot of times you watch a NHL practice and there will be an offsides. And sometimes the coach will let it go. And, you know, they'll just keep the play going and, and the focus of the drill or the focus of whatever they're trying to accomplish, you know, they'll forget about the, the offsides. But, you know, there are coaches that, you know, stop the play, you know, get a little huffy and puffy and, you know, say, hey, let's start this thing over. And, and you know, that's one minor example of uh, being a more demanding coach, paying attention to detail. You'll notice that when Craig Berube came in, he was promoted to replace Mike Yo. First thing he said, go back and watch the press conference. He said, we're going to take care of it in practice. We're going to do this in practice. We're going to work harder in practice. And uh, you watch that interview. He said practice about 30 times in there. I don't think some of the things uh, were necessarily, um, you know, in, in practices under Mike Yo. Uh, were situations that the team was as strict and, and hard as they needed to be on each other. And when you start to get some of uh, the loose ends there, uh, you know, they pop up all over the place. And, and I think collectively um, that leads to uh, poor team play. And so, you know, whether like Mike touches on in the article, the ice time for a superstar like Vladimir Tarasenko, do you take that away? You know, Mike Yo said uh, you're trying to win games. And he knows that, you know, his neck's on the line in terms of winning games. And if you're sitting a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, you know, that doesn't help your chances of winning. So uh, I think that he felt like the coaching clinics that he went to, uh, like he says in the article, Scotty Bowman, others, they tell you when things are great, push hard. When they're not, back off. And he feels like he backed off a little too much. Do you feel like he took that advice maybe a little too literally? Because, I, I mean, I – I've never coached at the level Mike Yo has, but I know that when I've coached before, I feel the opposite. When the team's down, if I push them and I push them, that maybe they'll 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 start doing something that they wouldn't have done before. Maybe they're making the play that we worked on in practice after I told them on the bench, "Hey, you have to do it this way. This is the only way it's going to work for us." Do you think he took that advice a little too literally from Scotty Bowman? Yeah, and he says that he did too. Um, you know, it, it's hard. I think when Mike was speaking in the interview, he was speaking from a big picture point of view, where in fact he was going back, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 months on the calendar, um, back to, to, you know, times where he was losing sleep, thinking about what he did wrong. And, and so, you know, for him to come out and pinpoint reasons why he didn't push harder, I think would have been difficult for him to do, you know, on the spot there you know, during the interview. Uh, but, but I think, you know, him realizing that he wasn't hard enough, I think is a pretty big admission. I mean, here's a coach who kind of had some of those issues in Minnesota. Uh, perhaps he gave guys like Ryan Suter and Zach Parisi too much uh, rope is what the, the word was when he left Minnesota. And then when he came to St. Louis, um, in a situation in St. Louis, I think, uh, you know, we've talked about everything that's gone on inside uh, the Blues locker room. I know that people, you know, about locker room uh, personnel, 
personalities, so on and so forth. Uh, but when Mike Yo was the coach of this team, those issues in the locker room were real. And I think he believes had he saw Craig Berube do and more accountable, push these, got more out of them, they would have won a few more games and they wouldn't have missed the playoffs by one point. Yeah, that was the thing that I found pretty interesting was some of his talk of, um, you know, that uh, Baruby, you know, and he mentions a lot in the article, again, something I don't, I don't want to give it away too much, but he does commend Baruby on the job he did after he was let oh, go. Oh, talk about it, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, I, I thought that, um, well, we, we got to tease a little bit here, Jeremy. I mean, we don't want people uh, just taking our word for it on how great this <laughs> article was. We want people to actually read it. Um, but, uh, no, I, I thought that was interesting because he talked a lot about what Baruby did, but um, one question that I had for you, and I know Kurt and I and Bill had all discussed this before we had you on, um, it, it, maybe it's just the way it came off and the way he said it, but did you get the sense that Yo felt that had he not been fired, uh, he may have had some of the same success that Baruby did? I don't think he came across that way. And now we have to keep in mind that when you talk for an hour and you only use some of the comments, you know, it's impossible to, uh, you know, to, to, to use everything. I think to answer your question, I think this, he feels that it was going to take some time to get these guys playing the way they needed to play together. You guys can recall that at the first half of the season, first 20 games, uh, even after Mike left and Craig uh, was promoted, uh, these players weren't playing for each other. And, and Mike says it in the article. He says that, you know, guys were wondering about, hey, you know, what's he doing over there? What's he doing over there? Instead of what am I doing? And, and so I think Mike probably in his heart believes that had he been given more time, they would have eventually uh, gotten there. He did say, and you guys read it, that it was a situation like when he took over for Ken Hitchcock, they got a big jolt. He does believe Ruby coming in and, and a new code, new voice. But we have to be honest with our all that long. It's not a situation with Ken Hitchcock where you're here a half a dozen years and, you know, it, it just wears on you. And, you know, any new voice is, is a refreshing situation. You know, Mike wasn't here that long. So I think that Mike is right in giving credit, as he does, to the coaching staff. They made some big lineup changes. They moved. Uh, Robert Thomas around they put certain guys together um, and I think he understands that this coaching staff uh, did a lot of things to put the pieces in place for this organization to go on and have the success that it did but you can't sit here and and think that Craig Bruby wins the Stanley Cup without Jordan Bennington and Mike Yo didn't have Jordan Bennington so you know Mike Yo had a lot of faults. You know, we saw that the power play struggled. We saw, you know, a number of areas where the team struggled. It's not to say that if Mike Yo has Jordan Bennington, they still win the cup. It's just to point out that they didn't have the goaltending under him and the defense was lousy. And so uh, does he believe that he could have led this team to a Stanley cup? I don't think he's saying that. And I don't think he, necessarily believes that that would have been guaranteed but I do believe that he thinks had he been given more time and maybe a chance for the goaltender to show up on the scene a chance for the players to play together for each other I think he believes there would have been a much different outcome so that's something that I found very interesting and just with the the blues in general 
Um, and, and maybe this is something that, that Blues fans probably think about but don't really know how to uh, voice it. So we'll see. Maybe people agree with me here. But I feel like a lot of that blame, you mentioned how bad the defense was. Uh, Mike Van Ryan was brought in as the uh, defensive coach um, the season before in, in 2018-2019. And uh, he obviously changed some systems around. And the Blues were awful. As you said, the defense just was not there. Uh, Jake Allen was not getting the support that we see him get now. And uh, I just, you know, I've always wondered with the timing, was it that uh, it was a coaching change and just an overall philosophy change that Berube instilled? Or was it that Mike Van Ryn's system just needed time to progress into what it is now um, because I think a lot of people instantly pint that on, on yo, but I mean, there might be other factors there. I just think it's a combination of a lot of things and you know, I'm probably guilty and I got to say this up front of believing that a lot of things in life are a combination. I, I think that um, even in sports, you know, we look at it as black and white. This happened because of this if this doesn't happen, then this doesn't happen. And, and to me, you got a first-year NHL defensive coach in Mike Van Rant. You have a uh, mid-30s defenseman who's coming off of, of hip surgery. You have a coach and a GM. Let's not forget, you know, Doug Armstrong's involved in the strategy and the planning of the team and such. And they had a mission, as Mike says in the article, to improve the scoring. The Blues are 24th in the league in, in goals per game. Uh, the year before. So they bring in Maroon, they bring in Perron, they bring in O'Reilly, they bring in Bozak. They want to boost uh, the offense, and it came at the expense of, of of the defense, which, again, the defense had issues itself. So, you know, I think all those things kind of come together. And then once you add in high expectations and you add that slow start, what was it, two wins in the first 10 or 11 games – you know, all that stuff starts to come together. Then you start to question, is he the right guy for the job, so on and so forth. So, yeah, I, I just think that you can't look at it black and white. You have to factor in all the issues that I just talked about. Uh, personally, just somebody who, who covers the team as much as you do and is around the team and sees them in practice, sees them in all games, um, what do you think was Yo's biggest downfall? I think uh, that it was something – that probably wasn't discussed enough in the article, probably could have paid a little more attention to it in the article. Um, And that's, he wonders, I think, was he ready for this next job? Did he learn enough from the Minnesota situation to be the head coach of a team with the Stanley Cup uh, expectations? Uh, It's hard for a coach at the time when you're looking for a job, you know you need to stay in the league. You can't just fade away and be, you know, off the, the grid for a couple of years. And when Doug Armstrong calls you and says, hey, how about the coach in waiting? Uh, you come in and learn under Hitch and then take over. You know, who's going to say no to that? But I think the vibe that I got from Mike Yo is, had he learned enough, was he ready? So we can sit here and try to answer the question you you asked with, you know, is he a good coach? Does he have a good system? Does he know how to respond to adversity? 
I think it was a situation, as, as I touched on with him in the conversation, that I don't know that there was enough time after he gets fired in Minnesota to grow. So I, I think the answer to the question is big picture. Was he ready for this? And I think he himself probably believes that he wasn't ready at the time. So okay, I have a question. The You mentioned the coach and waiting scenario, which I think – uh, maybe confuse a lot of people. A lot of people were not on board with that necessarily. It was a controversial uh, 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 idea. Um, do you think that that was, I, I, assuming that if he was not ready for, uh, necessarily ready for the head coaching job of the Blues, um, maybe the head coaching waiting was a good idea? Because I was going to ask you, what you how you felt about that that uh, that position he had. And uh, what you thought about it, but uh, after after you said that, you know, maybe Yo wasn't ready for this, the head coach of this team, uh, maybe others thought that, uh, and the head coach in waiting was a way to get him ready for to be the coach of this team. Is that is that is that fair or no? Yeah, no, I think it's fair. I think um, you know we have to step back for one second, and understand why Doug Armstrong did the coach in waiting approach, and it's because, and he's talked about this before. Uh, when they brought him in to succeed Larry Plo, Doug Armstrong was the GM in waiting. He came in in 2008 and uh, got his feet wet, learned the organization, and then took over the duties from Larry Plo in 2010. So he had two years uh, GM in waiting. And so he had that background, that context of he thought that was a very good thing for him. And so he decided to go that route with, uh, with Ken Hitchcock. I think it also put a timetable on – the end of Ken Hitchcock's tenure as coaching uh, here in St. Louis, because remember at the time, I think Ken Hitchcock was kind of going on a year by year basis. And uh, I think there were probably points where Doug Armstrong would have liked to have moved on. In fact, I know there were at one point they were set to, to fire Ken Hitchcock prior to him going on that run uh, when they went to the Western conference final. So I think they wanted to have an end game to the Ken Hitchcock uh, era. So that's another part of the reason why they did the coaching waiting. Uh, but to me, to have a GM in waiting is so much different than a coach in waiting. The GM in waiting, people barely knew what Doug Armstrong did on a daily basis. <laughs> but, but behind the scenes, you didn't see him. He wasn't in the cameras. But when you're talking about, you know, a team of 20 players and every day Ken Hitchcock and Mike Yo are on the ice, who do you listen to? You know you're listening to Hitch, right? But at the same time, you know Mike's going to be your coach. Well, Mike's developing a relationship with these guys that's, you know, a little bit cozier because he's the assistant, right? He's the good cop. And it, it just I, – I just think it created an awkward situation. I've talked to players about it. Um, they agree uh, that it wasn't the best idea. So, you know, could that coach in waiting have helped Mike Yo grow into that role if he wasn't ready after leaving Minnesota? Yeah, perhaps. From that aspect, it might have been a good idea. But I think from the awkwardness of the arrangement, it was probably a bad idea. There's so many questions I have done elsewhere. No, yeah, we haven't yeah, seen it right. elsewhere. No. <laughs> probably, probably won't see it uh, done elsewhere either. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, that's uh, man. There's so many questions that I have from from just the last comments you made. But one one comes to mind of, do you think uh, uh, Doug Armstrong feels the same way the players do, and that you do that maybe it wasn't the right idea, or do you think it's something we might still see in the future? No, he actually, um, and again, this is a situation where there's just not enough room to, you know, you'd write 10,000 words if you included everything. 
But um, you guys might recall that at the press conference to uh, promote Craig Berube, he was asked about the coach and waiting. He himself admitted that, yeah, it might not have been the, the, the best idea. Um, do you uh, – so, I don't know, the, the sense I get from you, and again, somebody who's around the game uh, even more than, than Kurt Bill and myself are, um, <laughs> do you get the sense that maybe when there's a coach in waiting like we saw with Yohan Hitchcock, you had mentioned that uh, it was kind of a, hey, we're, we want the end of the Hitchcock era to come. Would you say that's most times we see a coach in waiting? Is it – we're ready for this era to end and we've got the next guy, or do you think there are other reasons why teams would do the coach and waiting situation? I, I think it's all case by case. And to be honest, I can't, first of all, people who have been around the game a lot longer than I have uh, never recalled such a situation in hockey, uh, maybe other sports, uh, football, I think maybe college football. I think somebody pointed out there was a coach and waiting. Um, and, I don't think we've seen it since, and, and there's a reason we haven't seen it. So to me, it's it's probably case by case. And hey, look, uh, you can probably look at you know, a number of organizations throughout the league where you got a pretty good idea somebody in the system is going to take over. There's a lot of times where you know AHL coach is the guy who's being groomed to take over. Uh, it just never is clearly open and designed that way as it was with uh, Mike Yo. Uh, we have a very important question here from uh, one of my, actually, hockey teammates. Um, he says, uh, how often are we going to have Hockey Bob on the podcast, and when is his next appearance? Guys, what do you think? <laughs> hockey Bob. <laughs> <laughs> no, Hockey Bob. You know Hockey Bob. Come on, JR. You know him, right? Yeah, yeah. I've met him a few times out at blues functions. Everyone, good oh, the social media hockey, hockey Bob. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. You know Hockey yeah, Bob. I, of course. I know, yeah, I, of course. We love Hockey Bob here at Let's Go Blues Radio. <laughs> sure we do, yeah. Um, so, so, Jeremy, I want to ask you, and again, I, I, you know, somebody who's, who's had a relationship a little bit with Yo and, and has gotten to know him uh, better than anybody on this panel, um, how do you feel? Do you think Yo is just not cut out to be a head coach in the league after all the issues he's seen in Minnesota and St. Louis? And, and how he's really just even stated that handling adversity and, and not having answers to fix the team's problems. Um, do, do you think that he's just not cut out, or do you think he's still kind of learning as he goes and that we'll see him as a head coach again? I think the one thing that we have to remember, and he said it last uh, comment of the story, was uh, he's 46 years old. I mean, we really have to uh, keep that in mind. He also said that it's very difficult for – uh, a young coach to be successful in this league first, maybe even second job. He threw out a stat. I don't know uh, how accurate it is. So, you know, take this loosely and we'll, we'd have to double check it. Um, but uh, that the last 10 Stanley cup winners, only one of the coaches uh, won it in his first stop. So uh, again, take that with a grain of salt. We'll have to look it up. Um, but it sounds pretty accurate. Most of these guys, you look at uh, Joel Quinville, what was it, his third stop with uh, Chicago. Um, that's not to compare Mike Yo to, to Joel Quinville, but, you know, they learn a lot on their, uh, you know, first job, second job. Uh, we all know that the NHL recycles coaches uh, a lot. I believe, and I've talked to a lot of people about this in the past 48 hours because I wrote the story, you know, I believe there's a good chance that he will get another job, head coaching job. It, it depends entirely on the success of the team he's with. So we'll see what happens in Philadelphia. Um, you know, people, if you're driving down the road and you're listening to this, you might drive off into a ditch thinking about the idea of 
Mike Yo being handed the keys again to a third organization. <laughs> I, I get the questions about, you know, some of the the areas of uh, you know his teams, whether it be power play, whether it be scoring, wh- whether it be does does he have the proper demeanor to command uh, the everyday respect of a team. I get all that stuff, but I think it's a little bit too easy, too simple for us to watch him coach five years in, in Minnesota where, and they had some success. Let's not forget about that success there, but ultimately be fired, come to St. Louis, fail here, and then watch Craig Bruby take that same team and win a Stanley cup. I think it's easy for us to sit here and say, this guy's just not a good coach. There's no chance that he's going to get another job, nor should he, when you just base it on that. We could sit here and rattle off coach after coach after coach after coach after coach who's been in you know a similar situation earlier in their career where things didn't work out. So you know I'm not trying to convince anybody that Mike Yo is a good coach. The future will decide you know how good of a coach he is. I just think it's a little bit unfair uh, to, to base things on what we've seen, in particular, something like we saw in St. Louis that hasn't happened in the history of the game. Like a guy comes in, gets fired, and, the, and, and you know, there's this historic season. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I want to get to a couple quick questions here from our listeners because we have great listeners. And for those of, those of you uh, who have not heard – Jeremy and Barrett Jackman's uh, podcast, they provide something completely different than we do, much different view of the game, and uh, make sure you tune in there as well. Uh, We Went Blues is the name of the podcast, so make sure you check them out as well, and um, I'm sure you have a way of people asking questions for your show. Do you guys have a mailbag segment or anything? You're on MySpace, right? MySpace? Yeah, MySpace, yeah, my... right. <laughs> and, and Friendster. Friendster as well. Friendster. Yeah. No, we have, uh, we have uh, five for five, five questions for number five, Barrett Jackman. But, uh, you know, evidently it's it's not a cool enough segment for Erica. That's <laughs> 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 right. <laughs> uh, so real quick, some questions for our listeners. Uh, JR, this is from Jimmy Anderson. He says, JR, I love all your work. The time Dunk said the Buffaloes was one of my uh, one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I don't know about that one. I guess you know what he's talking about. I've heard that before. Yeah, that was uh, just uh, you know the recap on that one is uh, so I do the hits on 101 and you never know what the hosts are going to ask. And uh, Chris Duncan was doing the show with uh, Anthony Stalter and I believe they were playing the Buffalo Sabres. I might have been in Buffalo. I can't remember, but uh, Chris Duncan said something about the Blues playing the Buffalo Buffaloes that night, and <laughs> and I didn't know whether to correct them. I didn't know. We all started laughing. I didn't know which direction to to go with that. But uh, uh, Chris was a great dude. We all miss him, and uh, that was one of the more memorable radio hits that I've had talking about the Buffalo Buffaloes. Yeah, man, I can't believe I missed that one. I was a big fan of Dunk myself. Um, B&H Kell says, JR, uh, I guess he's asking you, uh, oh, okay, here, it's, it's a two-parter. Well, it's a, never mind. Uh, just, he didn't, he didn't write it well. Uh, can I, can I ask about how JR feels about Justin Falk and how well he's adapted to the team so far? Yeah, I, you know, I rarely get anything right, but, uh, you know, I'm just kidding. We, we, we had a situation there where, 
you guys know how it is. Uh, people just want to attack players and, and, and come to conclusions and evaluations based on a couple weeks. And, and I just did not get that with Justin Falk. I did not get it. You know, I know that we had a mailbag uh, at the athletic that said he's struggling, you know, what's going on with Justin Falk. But let's keep in mind here that this guy was with one organization uh, for what was it? Seven, eight years. Uh, I think it mm-hmm. was. And, 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 and so anyway, he comes to a new team. He's used to being the first guy to jump over the boards, even strength, power play, uh, penalty kill. And that was Petrangelo. That was Pareko. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're playing him on the left side a little bit. Uh, to me, you know, I don't think that Justin Falk is Alex Petrangelo. The talk that, you know, he could be the guy if Alex Petrangelo signs elsewhere. I don't think Justin Falk's that guy. But I think um, we I knew he was going to be much better than he showed the first month or so of the season, first couple months of the season. Um, if you want to criticize the length of the extension, I get it. But as we all know, that's to get the AAV down. The Blues have a window to win right now. Um, they need to, to get Shen, Petrangelo, Falk, all these guys at a decent price, you know, and get them all into the cap. If you want to try to win a Stanley Cup or two in this this next window, and that comes at the expense of giving these guys a lot of term. Uh, but, hey, if you want to be critical of the term on the Falk deal, I get it. But, you know, I think that anybody could have seen he was going to be a better player uh, after the first couple months. Speaking of uh, Petro, real quick, are they going to get a deal done, you think? That's a tough one. I, th- I think they will. Uh, you know, I've said that about players in the past, and, and they don't get a deal done. Um, I was surprised that they got the deal done with Shen. I thought he was a guy that um, they were going to probably hang on to through the deadline, get a playoff run out of him, and then you know maybe lose him in the summer. Um, but with regard to Alex Petrangelo, you know everybody wants to talk about he's having a Norris type season. He's having a great season. He's just driving the price up. Hey, he can drive the price up all he wants. The Blues have a figure in mind. They know what it is. I think Alex Petrangelo's camp knows what it is. It's about eight point two five million. Would they go up to eight five? Would they go up to eight seven five? Perhaps. Uh, but if you're Alex Petrangelo, you want nine million plus. Uh, you want something in that range of the Roman Yossi deal. Um, here's the thing. Let's go back to the term for a second. If you're Alex Petrangelo and you're getting ready to turn 30 years old, do you want to finish your career here? I'm sure that the Blues could accommodate an eight-year uh, deal, max deal. Um, but I think it's a situation where they're not going to do an eight-year max deal for you know nine, nine-plus million dollars. So uh, they're going to have to meet somewhere in the middle. Um, yeah, I think there's a really good chance that he re-signs here, but you always have to leave open that uh, – you know, small percentage that perhaps uh, he could go to the market and uh, get what he's deserved. Jeremy, uh, we, I think I can speak on Bill and Kurt's behalf and thank you very much for coming on the show. I know that um, you, uh, you probably had a couple interview requests today after that story broke. So um, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to be with us and talk about it. Um, We've plugged you plenty, I think, but (laughs) let's plug you some more. Um, You, uh, we mentioned, um, the athletic, uh, the the podcast, obviously. But I want to ask you too: Do you have anything in the works in terms of books? If anyone hasn't read the Bernie Federko book that uh, Jeremy wrote with Bernie, it was very well done. And uh, obviously, the um, the many books he wrote before the ninety nine things blues fans know and. I'm sorry, I can never remember the title of that one. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, me either. Me that's either. A, yeah, that's a good one. But anyway, uh, anything in the works for you? Oh, there you go. Hundred yeah. things blues fans 
Hold it up closer, Bill. Here. Should know and do before they die. There you go. There it is. We got it here. Um, but, but yeah, oh, anything like else in the works for you? Blues player there. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, but I think we need to – actually, I do. I'll tell you in one second. But I think we uh, need to have another night out with Bernie Federko and listen to more, some more Federko stories, right? That was the oh, best night of my stuff. life. Yes. That was awesome. <laughs> What was the one that he said that night, have a dump or something? He, <laughs> the, <laughs> the difference between <laughs> Americans and Canadians, uh, uh, having a shit and taking a shit, and <laughs> yeah. uh, how Americans are wrong and how they phrase it. And I, right. I will say. I can't disagree with him. <laughs> yeah, since he said that, and, and I that phrase will come out of my mouth, I'll say, no, I, I got to say the way Bernie says it, because yeah. that makes way more sense. It really does. Yeah. <laughs> Where well, are you taking it? it? it, it <laughs> yeah, it's with everything, you know. Uh, you know, you'll hear Bernie or hear other guys. <laughs> you'll hear him say, uh, you know, I got to go have a shower or something. He says, well, you don't take it. You're not. That's a, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny, <laughs> some of the things that he says. But, yeah, no, uh, so what happened is that book that you just showed, I appreciate it. And, and thanks, guys. I mean, this is awesome being on the show. It's, it's awesome that you guys, uh, you know, are mentioning some of the things that we've been able to do, the athletic. I really appreciate it. Don't take it for granted. Um the one thing for blues fans that hundred things blues or whatever the name of that book is, uh, <laughs> we, 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 uh, we went into it and the, uh, the publisher triumph, they call and they say, Hey, listen, we're going to do a Stanley cup edition of the book. So you have a hundred chapters. you need to take out five or six of the worst ones? And I said, well, I've got like a hundred bad chapters in that book. And so they said, <laughs> We'll take out the five worst and then write five new ones. So uh, coming out in March, uh, same book, different cover, Stanley Cup edition logo on it. Um, but it will be updated with chapters on uh, the O'Reilly trade. Pat Maroon, who declared himself a hometown hero on stage. <laughs> uh, Gloria and uh, Jordan Bennington. So there's five or six new chapters. But for the most of the part, uh, most part, the rest of that book will be the same. So that comes out uh, in March. Cool. Well, thanks, Jeremy. That means I'll be spending more money on the same book, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. I'll get you one. I'll meet you down. You could, uh, you could probably even, uh, you could probably do a hundred things. Blues fans should know the, in whatever the name of it is on just last season. I'm sure you could come up with a hundred uh, stories. No kidding. Yeah, it was cr- <laughs> it was crazy, and they they did say, hey, we just want you to limit it to. Uh, five or six but guys at the end of last season i was just i was ready for uh <laughs> anything you know we went down to uh, florida uh, uh for vacation with the family and i think i was there uh for two days and then jordan bennington signed his contract so while the rest of the the family was down at the beach i was back at the the condo typing up the jordan bennington story so it just seemed to never end but that's a good thing right that's right. Plenty to plenty. Uh, it's job security for you, the way I see it. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> no, I did. Uh, I want to ask you too. This is something. Uh, actually, somebody asked me earlier to ask you. Uh, did you get a extended period of time with the cup? I know you probably didn't get a day, but did you get? Uh, did you get maybe a couple hours with the cup by yourself? No, not not at all. And uh, you know, just like you know, uh, I don't know how to say it. I've always thought. We're media. They're the team. To me, I'm even surprised how that cup makes the rounds and, and the Blues are able to uh, allow so many employees to spend some time with it. So, you know, I want to be clear. Never in a million years uh, do I ever even feel uh, an association with the club, cup. Uh, I'm sorry, with the club where they would, you know, even consider something like that. 
on the other hand, some friends, nice, uh, John Kelly, Rich Jankowski, uh, a number of them to invite my wife and I to some of their parties uh, with the cup. So I uh, did get to see it, touch it, hold it, all that stuff. My wife took a, a drink out of the cup, but I think she was more enamored that it was Colton Preco that was pouring it into her mouth than she was uh, it being the Stanley <laughs> Cup. Uh, but we had a great time with it, and uh, all thanks to the people who work with the uh, the St. Louis Blues. And uh, anything you want to plug with uh, The Athletic, uh, the podcast, uh, anything we didn't touch on maybe, how people could sign up for The Athletic. Yeah, I know. Just go to theathletic.com if you don't have a subscription. I will tell you, if you got one more second, I'll tell you about a story that's coming up. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be real quick. So um, I've had this idea for a long time, and, and I can't wait to, to get it in motion here. Um, but it's uh, Blues fans who name their kids after Blues players. And, of course, you know, uh, you have a lot of uh, – I think you have one. You, you mentioned your friend is named Bernie, right? Yep. Yeah. My friend, yeah. Uh, Mike, who's a listener of the show, actually, he, uh, his, uh, son, he named Bernie after obviously Bernie Federko. So he's yeah. pretty excited to be involved in the story. Yeah. So I- I'm going to give him a call. I just uh, had to put the story down for a couple weeks, but I'm going to jump back on it soon. Uh, but just to give you guys uh, two quick anecdotes is, uh, there's a, a family in St. Louis, St. Louis couple. Um, she might be from Cleveland, but they live in St. Louis now. And her name is uh, Alyssa. His name is Dan, and their son's name is Vladimir. <laughs> That's great. Fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, and, uh, and and I don't want to give away too much of the story, but there's another one that just blows me away. And, you know, hopefully uh, you hear the story. Maybe it'll make you want to read it whenever I finish it. But uh, uh, Chris Pronger and Brendan Shanahan, famous trade, right? So these two people are talking about the trade, they become boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. They have a son, and they name the son because of the way they met over that trade. They name their son Brendan Christopher. So pretty crazy how those <laughs> oh, things that's happen. that's fantastic. Man, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's kind of humbling for these guys to, to hear stuff like that. I know my son, um, I always say he is named after Shea Weber. But my <laughs> wife will tell you that is not the case. You've always um, said that, though. You've always said that. It's true because uh, when we first got together, we were watching hockey. Um, there, I don't know if you guys remember the situation where uh, Shea Weber there. was. Well, I'm saying the game <laughs> itself. Uh, the Predators were playing the Red Wings in the playoffs, <laughs> and uh, uh, Shea Weber uh, had knocked Henrik Zetterberg's head into the glass. I think he even got suspended for it. And uh, my wife saw his name up on the screen, and she goes, "Not only is that guy attractive." But he's a badass, and his name is Shay. And this was like <laughs> us dating for maybe six months. And I'm like, yeah, well, when we have a kid, we'll name him Shay. And so, of course, that's the first thing I brought up when she got pregnant. And I was like, you're still cool with that? She goes, yeah, of course. So I'm like, okay, well, then I get to tell people that we named him after <laughs> Shay Weber. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I yep. did catch uh, Pronger was at the rink today, and so I interviewed him for the story. And uh, he said, let me tell you, Jeremy, how hard it was when I got to St. Louis and every little kid I met was named Brendan. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well, again, uh, Jeremy, uh, we want to thank you again for coming on. This has been a lot of fun. We've kept you a lot longer than we said we would, but uh, I think uh, we had fun, and I hope you did as well. Keep it tuned to my favorite podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. 
That's hey, right. Thank you, the... Erica Weston. <laughs> <laughs> Please give her trouble about that. That'll be great. <laughs> Guaranteed. We're gonna we're gonna clip right. that. We're gonna use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate you stopping by. Thank you, Jeremy. All right. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Thanks, Jeremy. Yep. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Man, great we, interview we about a great interview. About, yeah, an interview about an interview. <laughs> I love it. Um. So we we talked about the early on in the show. It was a, uh, a listener's comment, right? The uh, uh, greatest time to be a blues fan. Oh yeah, in history. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, past three years in St. Louis, uh, there was an article actually written about this uh, on KSDK.com. And in the past three years in St. Louis, we've seen a Winter Classic, uh, Stanley Cup title, NHL All Star Game, unprecedented team success, and local talent excelling. Uh, it was written by Corey Miller, KSDK.com. Uh, it's an okay article, kind of a rah-rah piece, rather short and not real in-depth. But uh, it talks about this being the best time in, uh, to be a Blues fan. Uh, and I've heard this tossed around a lot lately. I think everybody has. And uh, I think, uh, obviously, you know, this probably is the biggest, the greatest time to be a Blues fan. But I think I, I want to think there's a lot of new fans on board, a lot of younger folks, a lot of uh, uh, new fans that maybe weren't around uh, in previous eras. And I think I, I, I want to just remind folks that there were actually some really, really good times to be Blues fans. No, obviously no Cups. But we had, I mean, shoot, this team's been really good, not just the past few seasons. I mean, the most points and most wins in the Western Conference since 2010. Uh, since 2000, they're third in the Western points, only behind San Jose and Dallas. You know, San Jose has the most points in the league since, yeah, 2000, 20 years. Most points in the, in the in the NHL. That's nuts. Feel again. We said this a couple weeks ago. Feel bad for their fans. They have yeah. that, but they don't have any cups. No, I mean, and, and again, shame. we had we went through that. I mean, we were up there and wins, and we just didn't have a cup until last season. So it's we're, yeah. we we know what it feels like. But to that, I I will say that when the Sharks knocked us out in sixteen, I think it was, and then yeah. went on to lose to Pittsburgh, like. I, I was cheering for, for the Sharks mm-hmm. to to win, but something inside of me knew that if they won, it wouldn't it would never be right because I remember when they were a brand new team when I was a right. teenager, right? And it's, and it's it's they're they're half our age. I did want to see them win as too, a team. But I get you. And, and right. it's like it, there's something I, I don't I dislike about anything that came into the league after the blues winning a cup before the blues do. Yeah. That 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 does not sit well with me. Even though I I would have the, the, our friends over at Teal Town would love to see you know them uh, bask in that victory. Yeah, but uh, I, it, it yeah. I, I mean they'll they'll get theirs. Sure. But, I mean you know well actually I mean it, I, they need to do something. They're yeah. they're, yeah. they're they're sinking ship with some with some cap problems and contract yeah. issues and. Yeah, I, they got yeah, some they, work to they, do. They put a little bit too much money into that Eric Carlson fella. Yeah, I mean, and they let Pavelski go. Um, yeah. that's right now they're they're a hot mess. Yeah, but yeah, get some goaltending. Look what it did for us. Right, exactly. <laughs> like that easy. Snap your fingers. Get, just pull up a goaltender out of the out of a hat. Yeah, we were uh, talking about that a couple weeks ago. Like, do, do they have a Bennington? <laughs> no, they, I, we, they, I've been on their show and we yeah. talked to them. They don't really have one. Like, yeah. they don't. I mean, we didn't think we had a Bennington though. Yeah, but well, until, we until we did. Well, we knew we had Bennington. We didn't know we had. Why not? That, yeah, right. we didn't know we had that 
caliber of Bennington. Uh, also, uh, Birth of the Blues, okay, uh, being awarded a team in 66, three straight trips to the finals in their first uh, year in the NHL, and the city falling over the team. That's a nice era. Late 80s, early 90s, which to me is it shouldn't be under it can't be understated the, the, emer- the emergence era. of Brett Hall 87 yeah. 88 that's when he came to the blues the all-star game in st louis in 88 federico notching a thousand points for his career in 88 adam oates joins hall in 89 and they got the keel center uh, uh financed and whatnot and it was finished in 94 right so that that mm. that from that that six year span five six year span seven year span was that's just that's tremendous that right. that that, well, that, and, that and not, not only that but I mean, add on five more years, six more years to that, and you've got a Western Conference yep. final appearance. And yep, yeah. um, Chris Pronger, Al McKinnis, two of the greatest defensemen never play the game. Those battles with I Detroit. Bill Housley, oh. one of the greatest U.S. players to ever play the game. I mean, there's the Quinville era. Plenty of, right. of and after that, the Quinville era the Quinville, was yeah, not the greatest the, coach in NHL history. Two thousand by the time it's all said and the done. The two thousand Presidents Cup. Right, uh, but but you think back to that era, like I, I up until. This season, because we haven't talked about it a whole lot, the Iserman goal has been a topic of conversation. <laughs> but that era, that that era from when the Red Wings won the Cup in '96 until 2003 or so, right? That that was there were so many dominant teams in the Western Conference. I mean, when the Red Wings won, they were insanely great. When the Avalanche won. They were insanely great. When the Stars won, they were insanely great. The Blues were a really great team, just couldn't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. And the team that we didn't expect to do it is the team that finally did it. I know. So. Yeah, there's so many great stories uh, with the, the team, the Cup run, and and this era, and the the, the, the success this team's had, of, and and culminating with the Cup championship, just like the cherry on top for the huge-ass fucking cherry on top um so but anyway i just wanted to you know uh yes this is the best of the best for blues fans right now but there are a few different eras in blues history that were pretty fantastic uh and i hope depending on how you want to categorize an era it's kind of awesome that the three of us have lived through all of those moments uh not the not the birth of the blues but uh yeah yeah but we we were but yeah the rest of them there yeah. for that but yeah t- tonight um you tweeted out from the lgb account the uh the the links to the crombie oh, goal yeah. in 81 and the turgeon goal in 99 yep i mean 99, yep. i i remember like i was five years old when that crombie goal was scored i remember it's on the wall right here i got a newspaper frame yeah it's insane i remember the thing i remember most about that though was greg millen dancing to the budweiser yeah. song that the article is out there online yeah. you can you can view the article for the globe democrat or whatever it was at the time yeah uh it, and it talks about millen dancing to the budweiser the organ budweiser yeah. theme it's just in that that but what a great team that was. Mm-hmm. I, I have a like the probably my most prized possession is this terrible scrapbook that I kept of newspaper clippings from that era and the crown oh, goals in there. It's it's amazing. 
You know, I, I, it's, uh, I, I just, I, oh, I, was, I, I, was, I just hope those era, those, those aren't forgotten with the emergence of the Cup era and the influx of new younger fans, right. because a lot of a lot of fans aren't going to know about the that as much, and it won't be talked about probably as much because until you we won the Cup, it was always uh, reflecting on these great moments we had in the past that that weren't a Cup. They were just great moments that you know. But now when you talk about a great moment. It's going to be this. This is right. what it's going to be. Right. And, it, and th- th- I don't want those to be forgotten because th- those were fantastic eras. Right. No, the, the cup oh, win kind of validates everything, right? Yeah. It, it, sure. It's like it's it's the payoff. It makes it worth it. Right. Right. Where whereas a lot of our a lot of well, at least our perception of it is a lot of our our uh, friends up in Chicago way think that Patrick Kane's the greatest player in Blackhawks history. And there <laughs> there was no Tony Esposito. Right. There was no Stan Makita. Right. You know, they, they don't, uh, you know, but I, I guess what we get from the national media is, is just the recency. But, sure. you know, it, recency it, bias. Yeah, it, it is. And, and the history is so argue- important. To what to what Bill's saying, I think you could argue too that this doesn't happen without those years. I mean, you think of uh, again. I hate bringing this up, but I mean Saskatoon. Yeah, uh, yeah, that happens. This doesn't happen, you know. And and uh, Brett Hall putting hockey on the map in St. Louis with his eighty-six goal season and and the fifty and fifty and and again, you mentioned Joel Quinville kind of ushering in this this new system that had two of the greatest defensemen ever play the game. Um, and, and just, it all just pinballed into this, everything, uh, that, that this has been this, this last couple, I mean, again, the winter classic, which happened a couple of years before the Stanley cup, um, because of the support from blues fans, minus a couple of years there when they were terrible because of the support the NHL saw the value in getting a big game out there. And then again, with the all-star game, when they announced that last year, it was look at the support we're getting in St. Louis. Look at the the TV numbers. Look at, and that's all because so many fans have witnessed so many great moments in, in blues history that didn't result in a cup. And we all just kept saying it's, even if we didn't want to admit it, it was going to happen. Eventually this team is going to go all the way. And it's going to be so much more worth it when they do. Brett Hull, Brett Hull was a catalyst for so much uh, of that. I mean, he got he got uh, a Kiel Center built. Yeah. So with, absolutely. Without Hull here, who knows what happens right. with a new arena? I um, mean, and the thing is, is that Ron Caron brings him in. So, I mean, where's his where where's Caron's bust uh, that should be right. inside you know uh, Enterprise right now? He should, right. he's a bust and a podium inside Enterprise. Right. I, to be honest, right is as much as we like our uh, you know retire forty four. I think that's probably a better crusade for us to go on. Right, Karan. Ron, Ron Karan. honor him somehow. The professor, yes, the professor, yeah, Just professor Corner, build it somewhere in Enterprise Center. Yes, yeah, you, you you could have a bust, and then you could have somebody for luck. You rub his bald head. <laughs> That's what you do. You walk by, you rub his bald head. And now, say there's meat on the burner. There's, there's, yes. Oh, have a bust of Ron Karan grilling a steak. <laughs> How great go. would that be? I like that. There you go. Uh, oh, a couple great comments here. There's a Calgary. little bit of a conversation going on in the YouTube chat. Uh, man, if I had a nickel for every time I heard about the Iserman goal on this show, I feel like I lived it and I wasn't even born yet. Uh, B and H Kel says, Dan, I was 11 years old. That was from Dan Dreheim. 
Uh, Dan, I was 11 years old when Stevie Y put that in over Casey's shoulder. I cried myself to sleep. My mom let me stay home from school the following day. That heart broken. And uh, Crappy Goalie adds, uh, that's still the most depressed I've ever been after a game. No question. Those Blues fans who lived through that, and I remember that, it was a traumatic experience. It yeah. really was. And and, it, and it's it's burned in my brain, as I'm sure everyone's, and it's just it's something you yes. don't forget. And yeah. obviously NBC and the national media, they don't, as Dallas ties the game late, in the, which kind of sucks for standing-wise. But anyway. This has been a fun game to watch, yeah. though. Yeah, it's close. 2-2, late in the third. Um, yeah, and, and, that, and so it's and it I can't help but think about it every now and then because it's just and, and and if we had knocked off the Red Wings one of those seasons in the playoffs or something and maybe it wouldn't have been as big of a deal because you could have gotten revenge. We never got our revenge against the Red Wings and they left the conference and that was it. No. There was like there's like there's like un there's a there's more well, to that story, they need to come back. Maybe so at this point, more. yeah. Maybe at this point, we could meet them in the twenty thirty two Stanley Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take yeah, them I, a while to get there, though. Oh my god! We joked about that, and again, this goes to show how long this show has been on the air, folks. Um, we used to joke about that that when they moved over to the Eastern Conference. Hey, hopefully when the Blues win the Cup, they'll play the Red Wings in the Stanley Cup final and kick their right. ass. Right. That was uh, like it's like hurry up, and get, hurry up and get good, Detroit. Hurry up, we're good really right now. Just <laughs> next couple yeah. of years, just get get good. Which yeah. that's not going to happen. Yeah, definitely not. No, forty four points at this point in the season for them. Yeah. Well, hey, Fabry's having a good year. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, so Prawn wins the last men in vote for the Central Division. We'll join Bennington, O'Reilly, Petrangelo, Berube, and the Blues training staff at the 2020 All-Star Game in St. Louis uh, in a couple of weekends. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, I, we, we pushed for this, yeah. and, and uh, Blues fans pushed for this and uh, got it done. Uh, <laughs> a guy who really wanted to go to this game, and St. Louis fans got him in, uh, and deservedly so. Uh, and see, so he only got in, but uh, he he not only got in, he deserves to be in. Yeah, he 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 shouldn't have been the last man in vote. No, he, I mean he leads a, I, leads a team in scoring. And and I mean I I think it it I feel like he would have been a, an injury replacement if he doesn't get it right. Yes, he's, wasn't Oshie going to be the injury replacement for Ovechkin? I thought I heard that rumor. And, be, and then he got voted in anyway. Injury so. replacement. The Ovechkin. Right. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, just right. the replacement. Right. Yeah. Ovechkin don't have to do that shit for you. NHL. Yeah. Did you hear what um, uh, Did you hear what uh, Bob McKenzie said about that? He about uh, did not about uh, well, who said don't vote for me? Who uh, was it? Uh, oh, that was uh, uh, Detroit. Uh, uh, Dylan Larkin. Yes. He goes, don't vote for me. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't I'd rather have the days off. You know. <laughs> And uh, Bob McKenzie went off on him. He was like, "This is this is a promotion for the league. You know, this league pays your salary. You know, you need to support the league." And and uh, and then he was asked on air, uh, "You know, well, what about Ovechkin? Because Ovechkin's earned that right to <laughs> turn this game down." Well, fuck oh. you, Bob. Come on, you, you got a high. You've got a different standard for for Ovechkin, who is a f- no brainer first ballot Hall of Famer, or whatever. But. Uh, as opposed to Larkin, it's come on, that's bullshit. Yeah. One one comment, I get, I get thinking that, but you can't say that. If you're Bob McKenzie, you get. Oh whatever. Bob, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I don't, McKenzie, I don't like that. If you're Bob say, McKenzie is a letter Kenny Star. Well, I was, uh, I was, uh, oh, it wasn't Bob McKenzie. I'm sorry, it was not Bob <laughs> McKenzie. It was a, uh, who was it? It was uh, 
Oh shit! Who there, who was it? Uh, it was a uh, former uh, coach and former GM, Gordon Ramsay. No, anyway. Oh, are you are you talking uh, the guy from? Uh, it was on Sportsnet. Brian Burke. Yes, Brian Burke. Yeah, sorry, not Bob yeah. McKenzie. Brian Burke. Yeah. So he goes. Oh, he goes. Really not he goes. I would have. He goes. I would have. Uh, you know, rearranged his face if he had said he was one of my players. And I was like, okay. Brian Burke is angling face. for the next host of uh, Coach's Corner. My my apology is to Bob oh, McKenzie <laughs> for screwing that up. He's better known for being a GM, so should they change it to GM's Corner? Yeah, probably. <clears throat> He'll never get it, though, because he's GM American. Uh, Although they do love him up there. They you, really are do. You, are you uh, the All-Star game? You guys... Do you guys like the All Star Game, or you dislike the All Star Game? Or I mean, you... I haven't I haven't watched it in years just because I haven't found it entertaining. Do you hate the All Star Game? Do you no. think they should not not have it? No, no. I mean, it's <laughs> it's it it is what it is, you know. And it it it's a it is a chance for the NHL to promote itself how it wants to. Maybe I don't like that all the time, but it it's. It gives a one one city the opportunity to get a greater experience of the game, and it's about time that it came back here. Oh yeah, God yeah. But for the most part, 20, that I I don't find it compelling years. enough to watch the game. Uh, I, I I always have it on. Um, sometimes I I'm intently watching. Sometimes on the background, it's but it's on. I I I enjoy, I enjoy it. I mean. I mean I'm somewhat entertained by it. It's the, the skills competition too. It's I have it on it. I don't uh, uh, had a comment from a uh, guy who's on another podcast, another blues podcast, who commented on my comment on Twitter about how uh, basically it does zero. It does zero to market the league, and they shouldn't even have it. And I was like, Oh, is this Jeremy Rutherford that said it? <laughs> God, that jerk. No. <laughs> no, it was uh, no. Um, but and I'm like, no, it, are you it, kidding me? Not having an all star game at all or a skills competition would be terrible PR. Come on, that's see, way worse is, than not having a, is, a game. That's ridiculous. Talked, that's absurd. We've talked about this. We we've talked about this to a certain extent. I'm more of a, a skills guy. I love watching the skills competition. Um, I watched the John Scott year. I'll say this: I've watched every year they change it up and they, they say, Oh, we're going to do it this year. We're going to do the uh, players pick their teams and we're going to have captains, blah, blah, blah. That I've, I've watched the first year of all of that. And I applaud the NHL for changing it up. I think that's very necessary uh, with all-star games nowadays. Um, but uh, I, sorry, we're getting a lot of comments right now in the YouTube chat. I'm trying to not read them as I talk, but I can't help myself because I have ADHD. But anyway, um, no, I, uh, I, I love the skills competition, but I think what I would prefer over that, and maybe I'm crazy because I know it would take a while, is if you just had a skills competition for a Saturday, you had it for three, four hours, and again, I know it's crazy, but you have one representative from every team for every competition, and you say, all right, this guy's got the hardest shot on the Blues, uh, Colton Pareko, let's put him in the slap shot competition. Fastest skater. Um, okay, uh, this guy is really fast. Robbie Fabry for the Detroit Red Wings. Let's put him in the fastest skater. And I think that would be a lot more fun than just, you know, because it's really, that would really help you determine best of the best in every skill rather than, uh, rather than, than having just, you know, 
these guys, you know, he made it because he's a goal scorer. Well, he's not think, there for passing, yeah. so let's get the best passer in there. I think most teams have their own skills competition, don't they? Uh, kind of for fun, like uh, it's not a big deal they usually. To. I don't know if they still do. I know the Blues did with, uh, at least to some degree, they had the hardest shot and something else during the outdoor game that, that year. Uh, the outdoor, uh, when the rink was in Bush Stadium, they had a, that, that one nation yeah. thing that I went to. Uh, that was kind of neat. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean... I don't know. I I I I'm just I, I I'm I get why people might not like it. You know the the format or whatever is not what they enjoy. Um, I I think it's weird that people go off on it every year and uh, actively hate it and uh, declare that they shouldn't even have it, which is just like I, I'm, I'm like that's if you don't like it, don't watch it. Uh, some people like it. It 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 does promote the league. I don't. I mean it's it it and it. Maybe not the way you want, uh, but not having the game at all is 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 an awful idea. I, that's a you know I and I guess you know I don't know what people want. They want checking. They want uh, people diving in front of slap shots to block shots. No, first no. off, nobody wants to see their players do that in a in a in a pickup game. Right. Uh, and 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 I don't want my players to get hurt. And if players are doing that, more players are going to opt out. Because they don't want to risk injury. It's just mm-hmm. a dumb. That's a dumb. That's a dumb request. It's a dumb idea to think that the All Star Game should be like a real game. It never will be. It never has. Well, actually, it was a long time ago, uh, like fifty years ago. When when but it was the it was the Stanley Cup it, champions right. versus St- the All Stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It 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 was a a a group of players who went up against whoever won the cup the, the year before. Yeah. I just don't I just don't know what people want. I, I mean it is what it is. Like you said, it's a it's a it's a it's a pickup it's, game for the fans. Right. A friendly if, pickup game. Right. If you're if you're a hockey purist and you just want to see Do, you know, you want to see fights in every game, block shots in every game, yeah, well, you know, somebody being checked through glass every game. That's not what it is. You know, live with it for a weekend. Do, do I mean? Are they against men's leagues? Like no check men's leagues too? Because that's not hockey. Shouldn't even have it. <laughs> you know, if you can't, if you can't check. Shouldn't be playing it. That's kind of the attitude that I. I you know, it's I, kind of a weird I, thing. I I will say that I understand the existence of no check men's league. <laughs> I saw I firsthand witnessed as an eight year old why they turned the Cahokia Men's League into a no-check league when a guy got his Achilles tendon cut out from a check on the board. Somebody jumped into him, came down, sliced his Achilles tendon. He's writhing in pain on the ice. They take his skate out, and his Achilles falls onto the ice. It's... Oh. Was it uh, was it Kevin Ragsdale? <laughs> no, that involved I think, face in the concrete floor. I, like, I think uh, Ragsdale would have taken his skate off and actually stabbed the guy with it. <laughs> <laughs> that that's my that's what I thought would have happened. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, uh, Pat or I'm uh, sorry, Bill, were you at the uh, the Blues game on Saturday? I was. I was. I I was so there. So Patty Bass says she thinks she saw you there, or he. She, he, she thinks she, he or she saw you there. Um, yeah, I, I was there. Uh, she went to a game last Saturday night. <laughs> anyway, yeah, um, yeah, went. Uh, I've, uh, 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 no big thing. Colleague who is a uh, well, a, a former uh, former manager in my area at work, who is a former Rangers season ticket holder, had Rangers season tickets in '94 when they won the cup. 
Oh, nice. Um, so big Rangers fan. Uh, he was in town with his son for the weekend. And uh, yeah, we got tickets and uh, went to the game. And we had a great time harassing him the whole time. I bet. And but the end of the game was fun, too. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What is Jacob Truba thinking? Uh, you know, um, and that's our next topic. Um, uh, but the, yeah, uh, I... <laughs> You're losing by you're losing five to two, and it's the, the five seconds to go in the game, and you're you're hacking. I counted him. He slashed the shit out of Dunn six times, like in like five seconds. <laughs> it was nuts, and uh, I don't blame Dunn one bit for turning around and, and popping him in the face a few times. Yeah. Did you see the the Rangers fans talk about how cheap that was Bulls, by Dunn I, and how? No, I didn't. But and I'm like, it didn't surprise me. No, listen, man. I know the Blues have done some stuff that you could kind of consider questionable. I'm not going to argue with you on that, but that's just, I honestly think that we're on the other side of it now. That is, that is other fans looking at the blues as the best team in the NHL and finding reasons to just, Oh, they're cheating. Cause they do this. And I mean, he didn't do, sh- I mean, obviously he did something, but Truba. he did it because yeah. Truba was being a fucking dick. Truba was being a piece of shit. And, uh, Dunn said, no, no. I'm not putting up with that shit. And he, and he popped him in the face like, like two or three times. Got him good. Um, and good. Rightfully so. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, that's every bit of that coming. Every bit. And I, I don't, and, uh, and Truba got, and you know what? Okay. Who's the dirtier player that comes out of that? Truba got fined. Right. Now, which I want to talk to you guys about because Truba was fined $5,000, the maximum which, amount allowable under I don't, the CBA. Yeah, I don't care about the, fine, the amount of fine. The fact is the league looked at that whole thing and found him he was in the wrong. Right. And they didn't, they didn't say anything about done. Yep. Now, I'm not saying that player safety is is you know uh, the, you know authority. Oh, they are the authority, but they're not like <laughs> accurate in the – their 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 decisions are questionable at right. best. But see, but see Zach Cassian versus Matthew Kachuk, right? Which we can talk about too. But uh, that that was, yeah, I don't know. But uh, that's to be upset at Dunn in that situation when Dunn is essentially defending himself. Yeah, and that's that's all it is. And uh, uh, fuck Truba. The only the, <laughs> I'm sorry, right? I'm serious. The, he he was a piece of shit there. I can think that sparked that whole thing was Dunn chirp Truba for uh, making the stupid play at the end of what was it Game Five in uh, Winnipeg uh, when he turned oh, yeah. the puck over. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like just for whatever reason, inexplicably stood behind the Jets net with a puck instead of moving it. Yeah. Allowed uh, uh, the uh, Steen pinch to get the puck to. Uh, Maybe that's Bozak why he's pissed off. Yeah. Schwartz and Don had a chirp about that. Maybe that's why he's pissed off in the series last season. Yeah. Didn't think about that. Yeah. But it, I don't care. Whatever. Uh, the Rangers game. Uh, yeah, we won this one five to two. I don't think we need to go over this. Yeah, I will. I will say that um, you know the the goal that Bennington gave up uh, at the beginning of the game <coughs> was it was worrisome. Um, it and, was soft. and <laughs> I was like, I w- I was ready to leave because you know, the only other game I went to this year was the Montreal game <laughs> when Jake Allen gave up that. It's you. Terrible, you were the common denominator. Yes, the terrible soft goal from wrist shot from the blue line, and and I was like, yeah, this, this goaltending just follows Bill. So here's yeah. the here's the deal with the with the end of the game though is that after the the refs separated and the teams were kind of jawing and a little pushing and shoving and and uh, whatnots, a little brouhaha, a little Donnie Brook, uh, <laughs> the uh, the Blues all stood at center ice. They were told to by the official states, you know, stay stay over here. 
until the Rangers leave the ice. And the Rangers are like slowly leaving the ice, and a few of them don't want to. They're kind of just staring at them. And the Blues are just staring them down. You guys, I saw the, yeah. the, the still in the video. Oh, yeah. Staring them down, and, and Bortuzzo is basically gesturing at them, get the fuck off the ice. <laughs> and the whole yeah. team is just standing there, center ice, just staring them down as they leave. I'm like, that's awesome. That was just like united front, fuck you, Rangers, get the fuck off our ice. That was great. I yeah. loved that. Yeah, it's too bad we've already finished our season series with them. Yeah. Oh, well. Still. That's true. Wow, I forgot they played them earlier. Ended on a good note, though. Yeah. I mean, just... How about the breakaway goal from Mr. Bertuzzo? <laughs> I was at Gazella. Did you guys see what he said after the game? Yeah. I didn't take kindly my teammates. He looks surprised every time he teammates wouldn't act so surprised yeah. when he scores. That's so funny. I was at Gazella in the Grove uh, watching that game. Uh, the first part of it. Came home and watched the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, and I saw Bortuzzo scoring a break. I'm like, that almost never happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was at Crafty Chameleon in uh, Baldwin, a great beer bar. And uh, yeah, I everybody in the place was like, but Bortuzzo breakaway? Like, what? Yeah. It was I, very shocking. Out of the box. It was, it, it was a double minor that led up to it. So yeah. it's like the, the Rangers, you know, had very few sniffs on that. And you had that feeling. You know that they were going to do something stupid at the end of the power play, and uh, yeah, just great pass. And I, I will say from a goaltending perspective, not Lundqvist's best moment. No, he, was, he had some good moments in that game, but he's thirty-seven years old at this point. Just yeah, his uh, his comments after the game were nice, uh, complimentary, yeah. Yeah. Super, yeah. Super, yeah. superb. Enjoyed that. Uh, the uh, Lou Korak posted his uh, Henquist, Lundquist comments after the game. Uh, Pay the compliment on the Blues. Uh, said you get and Lundquist said you get pretty impressed when you watch them play because it's almost not a single play where they beat themselves. They're so patient. You might think that you're holding on to pucks, but they don't give you as much in the middle, and they just wait for mistakes. They play very smart hockey, mature hockey. They just have one way to play. It doesn't matter if they're down or up a goal. They know when to chip in pucks. They know when to go to the net. It's just smartness. They win for a reason. I thought it was pretty impressive to see how poised they were all the time. I mean, I, you, I don't think you can compliment a team much more than that. Yeah, I love that, that Henrik Lundqvist. That uh, that that was one of the uh, like best sound bites that I I can remember of um, a player being complimentary of another team. Yes, right. And maybe it was uh, maybe you could trade for me for a cup rod if you need a goalie at <laughs> ten million a year. Yeah, yeah. The Rangers the have to eat like eight million on salary. The only soundbite I remember from an opposing goalie that was better was when I interviewed Ryan Miller after a loss when he was with Vancouver, and I asked him what he thought. Vancouver! He said, said, yeah, the Blues are uh, a good team. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Ryan. Uh, Thanks, Ryan. Okay. Have a good night. See you later. He doesn't seem he like the cold. He doesn't seem like at the end of the He seems like a very cold interview. I mean, just I don't think, I don't know. He seems like a very cold individual. Yeah, like he was. Like he's not too personable. I don't know. I don't know if he was uh, if he was pissed off about the loss or if that's just who he was. But it was uh, definitely a, a not very fun interview for me. I was getting about four word answers every time. Oh, uh, the uh, the critics' choice for best team in the West just lost <laughs> uh, again. Right to Esselin Dell, the best diver in the NHL. Yeah, give me. 
two minutes for diving. Uh, uh, we've got uh, a couple couple uh, comments here. Um, Teal Town's asking us to send them some beer because they need to drown their sorrows. I guess let's we never that, did guys. that, did we'll we? Make sure that no, we've, yeah, uh, we, let's do that. That, that, is, that is on our to-do list, and we keep yeah. talking about it. We need to, yeah, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna send them a care let's package. Actually, <laughs> make that a priority. Let's do that. Right. Uh, and uh, Austin Lynch uh, has been talking about going to the fan fest, and uh, I'm going on Saturday, and and Bill, you're going on Saturday as well, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I uh, and then uh, Kurt, I'll what about now. you? Are you going uh, up in the air? You're doing okay. the five k. Um, I'm doing the five k. You're you're the only one fit okay. enough amongst doing, us I'm, fat <laughs> podcasters. I'm doing the five k uh, with 5K. my daughter. Uh, so we're not going for speed. It's her first five k. She's only ten. So she wants. She's been running, running, wanting to run in one of these blues five k's for a while. So I asked her if she wanted to go, and she was all excited. So we're gonna we're gonna jog the five k. Nice. Yeah. I've got uh, yeah. I've 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 got some issues. There's no way I'd be able to do the five k. I've uh, Working on working on some health issues uh, medically that uh, I'm not cleared to run the 5K you, just yet. If you got the SARS, don't you? Yeah. Well, it's the bird uh, flu. I got a Chinese teammate, and uh, he coughed on me, and that's what happened. <laughs> that's how you get the gout. It's okay. That's how you get the gout. That's not. That's he's, not. That's he's my friend. I'm allowed to say swine that. flu. <laughs> uh, or you shook but hands I with point Mark out. Rycroft and contracted whatever it is that that jacket's giving off. What the hell is there that? Oh my god! It looks like it looks like uh, a bunch of floor samples from lumber liquidators that he put on a jacket. <laughs> That's god awful. Jeez. Um, and I, I, the reason I bring that up is because I want to say if anybody is planning on going to the fan fest or the five k. Uh, let us know, and uh, you know if it's the 5K, Kurt will meet up with you. If it's the Fan Fest, I'm sure Bill and I would be happy to meet up with you on Saturday. So uh, just let us know if uh, you're planning on doing that. And obviously, you know how to contact us on Twitter, Facebook, I, yeah, whatever. I, I will. I will have stickers with me. So if you contact me, come by and get a sticker. Yeah, me too. That's good. I'll, a, I'll a, try uh, to remember this. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a blues. Uh, uh, we'll have some uh, Stanley Cup sticker and a uh, some maybe some uh, stag beer parody blues stickers. Yeah, so so let's let's my, make sure we, we we all have an understanding of, of how how the fan fest thing's going to work. So I have a ticket that There's says one. it is good for one p.m. What does that mean? Does that mean I get into the special section? Is for an hour, Austin what, what said does that mean? he's good. He's got his ticket for eleven, so I don't know what that means. They, I mean, they can't like kick you out at a certain. Somebody time, asked that right? question online, and they tagged the St. Louis Blues, and I don't know if they responded. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure that's something that is on their website, no, or an email that was received from your ticket. I don't. You would think. Yeah. Uh, B&H mm-hmm. Kel asks if any of us are going to the alumni game. Um, I don't have plans to, but I still may. I haven't decided yet. It's up in the air. <laughs> uh, and also, should mention from earlier, uh, oh, drawn a blank on who it was, but I saw the comment earlier. Somebody mentioned the, um, the three-on-three women's tournament that they're going to have here in the All-Star game and said they're very excited about that. And I am, too. I think that's cool. What I would actually like to see and maybe this is just getting nuts, is add a women's team to the the overall thing. 
I, I don't know. Maybe they don't want to do that. But instead of just having a four-team thing, maybe you have a five-team and loser doesn't make the playoff round. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's getting too crazy. But I think that'd be fun to see the women battle the men. That'd be, that'd be fun. I mean, they would get smoked hard. Yeah, but the guys aren't. They're not going full steam. Maybe, but yeah. but that, I, The women might. I think... But Kurtz is sexist. No. No, okay, how about, no, how about, no, no. How about hey, this? Uh, 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 how about this? Just mix the women into the men's teams. Do you, do you think the women's team would beat the top men's college team? Probably. You think the women would Depends beat the men? Depends on where you're getting the women from. Mm-hmm. Are you getting the women from, like, Team USA, Team, USA. Team Canada? Team USA's, yeah. You're talking Kendall Coyne, Schofield. Yeah. I'm talking the the best women players. Yeah, I think so. I, I'd I like so. to see that. I think that would be a good game. That'd be cool. I, I think that'd be a better game. I think the the. I mean, I'm not. You know, I just. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to go down that road <laughs> anymore. Um, you know, I like I said, you I think. Sexist. Yeah. What would actually be cool now that I think about it? Maybe you're right. Maybe that's not a good call. Maybe you just put one woman on each team. And you have that's, a female player mixed into the male teams. That's different. Yeah, I don't. I I don't hate that idea. I know I some people who would hate that idea. <laughs> well, I wouldn't. Um, seeing what um, Hillary Knight could do against some of these guys, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, we had a game last night. Uh, Blues beat the Ducks four to one. Jake Allen was back in net. He coming into this game, he was six three and zero. With a 1.92 GAA, three goals against or less in all of his nine career games versus Anaheim coming into that game. So now he's 7-3 and three with a 1. I don't know, less, <laughs> 1, 1. 1.8, 1. 1.7, whatever it is. Uh, GA, and, uh, yeah, holds true, three goals against or less in all 10 career games against Anaheim now. So he uh, he owns Anaheim. Blues were 20-0-5 coming into the Anaheim game when scoring first. Uh, the Ducks came into this game after a 4-2 loss to the Blackhawks, and I think uh, some thought this was going to be a game that uh, could come up and bite the Blues, especially with how the Ducks have played in St. Louis uh, in recent years. They were looking forward to, and they were looking to rebound from that loss to Chicago. So, right, they uh, came in here in November and uh, showed us yep. a thing or two. Getzloff has eleven had eleven points in his last ten games versus the Blues, and the, but the Blues held him pointless uh, in this game. Ducks had won their last four games in St. Louis, and the Blues hadn't beaten the Ducks since 2017. So, yeah, the Blues had had their problems with the Ducks lately. I think Barubi let that one marinate in the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Blues scored first. Uh, Steen got his third of the season um, on a just a nice shot. It, you know what? It's funny because Steen now has all of a sudden gotten hot. No goals in his uh, first 28 games of the season. He has three in his last three and seven points in his last seven games. Right. And and the play where he scores, I, I don't know. Like it, it, John Gibson had yeah. such a hard time tracking. He that did. Puck. He he did not know where the rebound was. Yeah, yeah. He, and it was it was a he left the net open, but yeah. I think Steen pounced on it nicely. Yeah. So I mean, obviously the first the the the, the shot from Bortuzzo doesn't get to him because he doesn't feel it, and he he just he sets himself up for a rebound out in front of him. Doesn't realize it's all the way over on the boards, and I mean that that looked like a pickup game goal if I've ever seen. One. Yeah, a uh, goalie who was either just eh, <laughs> didn't care, yeah. eh, whatever. I'm not gonna. Oh, you want me to get up for it? I'm not gonna. I'll slide across in a second. 
He got a blocker to it. Yeah, just not enough to right. No, he he did net. he did once he saw where it was. He gave the oh shit, you know, lunge save, but couldn't get it. Uh, and aside from maybe five minutes of play midway through the first period, where the Blues got a little sloppy and loose and the, allowed the Ducks to tie the game, uh, it it it. I mean, they they kind of got back in the groove for that, flex their muscle, and show the Ducks who was the better team. I uh, they the blue. It was it was nice to this team. Uh, and I think you commented on this, Jeff, uh, on Twitter, uh, said something on the lines of uh, how they forechecked is, was just impressive as hell. Uh, uh, and it's just a, a joy to watch this team play. And they did this against the Ducks. They dominated play for stretches. When they're on their game, and we talk about this on the show constantly for the past year, when they're on their game and they're forechecking and, and playing the game we know they can, there's no one in the world better. Uh, they just they they dominate teams. They uh, kind of bully them into turning the puck over, either in the defensive zone or the uh, the neutral zone. And they just don't let the other team's offense get set. And uh, I think early in the second period, you saw Anaheim get a couple chances early. And I think the Blues kind of kind of puffed up their chests and said, "You know what, guys." We're better than these guys. Let's just bring it to them. Let's not let them get these chances anymore. And they just dominated the rest of that second period. Obviously scored a couple goals, but not just, not just that, but didn't give Anaheim anything. They just couldn't start any offense because the Blues were just all over them every chance they got. They uh, pepper the Ducks in waves with offenses on pressure, and uh, it's fun to watch. Goals by Bozak, his 11th. Schwartz, his 16th. Barbashev, uh, his 7th. Uh, just sealed the deal. Barube after the game uh, said, uh, "We just played our game and wore them down. Everyone is doing the same thing, and we just took over the game. Uh, there are times here and there that you uh, you adjust for certain things, uh, but by and large, we just go out there and play our game. Our game stays the same. So uh, it's it's great because uh, he, I, it's I guess it's a confidence thing where you know that you don't have to necessarily adjust." to beat the other team, your system and your players and your game is, is good enough where the other team is going to have to try and adjust to beat you. Uh, so uh, he, he also said, uh, feels like we're better this year than last year. Uh, these are all comments from the post-game uh, press conference. Uh, puck possession was key, he said. Biggest reason for the Blues' success. Uh, they're defending harder, not giving up the blue line. Back-checking has been solid. Uh, first period was sloppy last night. Execution wasn't great. Uh, but puck management versus teams lower in the standings has been good which uh, the Ducks supply there. Right. And uh, I, I talked I, about that a lot with uh, with people at work over the last couple of days. Like, you know, the in previous seasons, the Blues seem to play down to the opponent. So you get to these games, you know, back-to-back against Rangers and Ducks, teams on the definitely on the lower end of the, the, uh, the standings in their respective conferences. And the Blues you know, in previous seasons may have laid eggs in these games, but definitely the Rangers game, it was men against boys for large stretches of that game. And I, Mm. I, I think it was the same in the, uh, the game last night. Yeah. I, I, you looked at kind of playing off what you just said, the, was it the Bozak goal that they caused the turnover? Yeah, and they had a the nice passing. Oh, play, Thomas and he's the one to finish it off. Oh God, How, that, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, Thomas and to it's uh, like that to uh, play. Yeah, McEachern. and that kind of play in the past, McEachern. McEachern, yeah. um, excuse that, me. That kind of that kind of play in the past, we look at it and and you know you say, okay, that was great passing, great passing. Oh, and they just couldn't finish. Yeah, 
And every single time now, it seems like when they cause a turnover in that part of the ice, it's in the back of the other team's net. And that's just even a year and a half ago. That's not what we saw. It was God, if they could just capitalize on these chances, they would be a great NHL team. And that's how just what we're seeing right now. And Robert Thomas. How good has he been? I, and the thing is that how good he's been this season uh, and how good he's looked at times, he he's, I mean, he should only get better. Right. I mean, he's still 20 years old. Right. And he's God. he still hasn't seen, uh, you know, a, a large swath of time where he's playing center. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he dominates oh, so the good. He, his possession, he, like, just when he gets on the puck, something it, – it, in the offensive zone, something happens every time, and he he grabs the puck and he as soon as he in, in, like you said something happens he grabs the puck he's constantly spinning turning looking and he'll pass. I mean he knows where everyone is, and he's he's thinking two or three four strides ahead of everybody else. Right. where everybody's going, he knows where people are going to be. Right, he's he's not not to say that he'll have the the same numbers over the career, but he's he's that elite offensive you know IQ like Gretzky, thinking that three yes. four plays ahead, and and has the ability to make those passes. I mean, I there have been several times this season where you've heard the broadcasters say, well. Thomas makes a great pass and, you know, Bozak or whoever is not ready for it because they don't expect him to be able to make, to pull it's, it off. It's great because you, you, you don't see, we haven't seen a whole lot of that kind of stuff, that, that, uh, that, that, that level of flair, uh, in, in playmaking. We haven't had it seen in a long time. Uh, Oates kind of uh, to some degree. Oates wasn't as flashy with the puck. He would just he was just a good passer. Right. He could just he could he could hit tape to tape. But he uh, but Thomas is fast with uh, it was it was mentioned. I think uh, I don't know if it was Brubay said there's not, but it, the fastest player on the team with the puck is Thomas, which is interesting because and it, and when he gets in the offensive zone, his feet are constantly moving, and that's he's he's a he's fun to watch uh, right he's gonna be fun to watch for a long time right defenders peel off of him give him space because they don't want to try to commit to a hit that they're not going to complete and and he makes the um, best of it, it. it's funny because uh I, I have a friend who's a big uh ducks fan and uh he's been commenting about how they kind of relied on a lot of their young guys to step in this season uh sam stone uh or not sam sam Steele. Uh, Max Comtois, um, Kasha. What's I can't remember Kasha's first name, but I always want to call him Ola Kavasha. Right, no, that's, that's what I kept thinking um, last night too. Yep, yep. But uh, yeah, he he's been saying, oh, you know that that you know that that's who they're relying on to kind of you know bring this team into mediocrity even again. And uh, he pointed out last night on Twitter that. You know, he sees a guy like Rob Thomas. Robert Thomas has just been able to step in with the Blues. I mean, obviously, you know, he had last year as a rookie season, but already in his second year, he's looking like a guy who's played in the NHL for five years. And uh, he says he just really hopes that, you know, the game clicks to these guys like it did for Robert Thomas. And, uh, you know, at the end of last season, we started seeing better play from Robert Thomas, and he's hoping it's going to happen to his Ducks players. And, you know, I just told him, I'm like, man, I hate to say it, but Robert Thomas is just a special yeah. player. I don't think you 
find players like that on trees. And yeah, you know, these guys are going to be great. I'm sure Comtois, Steele, but you know, I just don't know if they're even going to be at the level Robert Thomas is at right now in a year because he's just playing out of his mind right now. Buffalo fans uh, were pretty active the other day during the during the Blues the Blues Blue Sabers game when uh, they they basically said that the we should have held out for Robert Thomas when we traded O'Reilly and uh, uh, I wonder if the trade would have happened. I, I, and I, and I, my instinct is to say no, but I wonder if Buffalo was like, we are not doing the trade unless it's Thomas. I wonder if I wonder if they they do it. I've always kind of <laughs> believed, and this is maybe just my own speculation, things I've read, but I've always kind of believed that that's why the Blues stepped back, Doug Armstrong stepped back and said, okay, then we're just going to sign Tyler Bozak and we're fine because we're not giving you Robert Thomas. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, that that's my own speculation, I'm sure. Maybe something we should ask Jeremy. But, uh, yeah, I mean, no way. I just don't I don't see the Blues ever making that trade. Yeah, I mean, they didn't know quite how good he was going to be then. But, uh, I mean, well, they, they, had, they, they thought he was going to be very, very good. I'm not sure if they were 100% on it. But right. like, they, like they are now. The thing for me with Thomas is when, when is he going to get his chance with Tarasenko? <laughs> when, when, or, or if it's not Tarasenko next season, the the guy that can put the puck in the net consistently, because yeah. Thomas is the best yeah. setup man the Blues have had since, since Adam Oates. I, I'm yeah, I oh, I, I, I honestly I, believe that he's, he's the most yeah the well yeah I mean he he's that that that's a good comparison <laughs> I mean but, I, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe he is he's the uh, you know this generation's Turgeon. He's but yeah. but he's so much younger. Like we got Turgeon after he was, uh, was you know Montreal and New York. Was, yeah, yeah, and uh, Buffalo. He was already a, right. Already he, had was, already he, was, he was his fourth team here. Oh, that's right. Yeah, if Buffalo. if you get Thomas here over the course of his career, oh God, that that guy's gonna be yeah. That he's gonna be uh, you know the Bernie Federico level player. Mm, 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 mm. That's the best time to be a blues fan. <laughs> God damn. Uh, so nine straight wins uh, after this game. On uh, home ice. On home ice, right. Nine straight home wins. Uh, ties the franchise record set in 91. Uh, they can break the team record with a 10 straight win. Uh, home win uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow, versus Brian Elliott and the Philadelphia Flyers, who are playing, uh, you know, they're – they're playing. They, they're playing well. Uh, it's it's got to be Elliot too. It is because Carter Hart just went on the IR today. They said that Elliot was getting the start anyway. Uh, he was scheduled to start the game anyway. Uh, but yeah, Hart uh, is he hurt something? Did they say what it was? Lower upper. That's all they probably said. I don't know. Uh, I think I saw lower body. Yeah, but you know, as a wise man once said, and and this is playing the word heart. A bruise on the leg is a long way from the heart. Candy ass. <laughs> uh, going into tonight's game, uh, the well, going into tonight, tonight's Dallas and Avalanche game, uh, the Blues had an 11-point lead on Dallas. Now it is nine because Dallas won tonight in OT, and they had a 12-point uh, lead on Colorado, which is now 11 since the Dallas won in overtime. 
So and the Blues, you know, the, I, I mean, the Blues are quickly running away with this, with the conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's yeah. because the and it's, it's not it's not a games played thing. It's right. Uh, it's it's uh, right. It's not a games in hand thing, but no, it's because well, the Blues have played two more. Well, one more, I guess. Now it feels great, but you know, after watching what the Blues did climbing the standings last year. Does it really matter? No, I. But I mean, I. It, like you said, it's a great time to be a blues fan. If and, Co- if Co- these are these are yeah. great things to point out, but you know, I'm it, just saying it's a it, well. We it's a, not. Co- it's not just the blues. It's the fact you look at what Tampa Bay did last year. They ran away with yeah. the NHL, right? And, and lost, shat the bed to one playoffs, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and they did not get goaltending either. In the playoffs, that was no. that was a big deal. Uh, Gunnarsson was activated today. Pareko is on the IR, retroactive to January second. So that's an important note because he can come back right, anytime. Right, I think know. people uh, when they saw that Pareko went on the IR, people become oh they freaked out. But no, it's retroactive to the second, so it's that's that's what <laughs> twelve days ago. So he can come off pretty soon. But yeah, that just it, gives them uh, that gives the Blues a little flexibility to call someone else up if they want yes. uh, a little salary cap management. Right, because Gunnarsson was activated, so right, and you know, I guess it doesn't force the issue on making a decision on Nico Mikola. Right, but and Who's I wanted good? to ask you guys about that, okay? Because I mean, he he got a lot of love from the broadcast last night. Yeah, um, but there was one play in particular in the second period where um, I've. It, the Ducks were pressing, and there were Mikola's Bortuzzo had pinched behind the net, and there was another forward down there. In in the game against the Rangers, that there was a play where uh, both Bo Meester and Falk they're paired together. I don't like them as a pairing, um, which they've been since Pareko's out, but. Uh, they both pinched on on uh, the player, um, made a great pass between the two of them, wide open guy in front of the net. And in the Ducks game, Bortuzzo's behind the net. I forget who the forward is that came down to pinch. And Mikolo, you could see the thought process. And you could see him look over his shoulder and see there's a guy coming down the slot. And he just backs off and takes away the guy's space. His in in the way he throws his body around out there cuts people down has that great long stick, you know that great long reach is is a great gap closure guy. He really is right now. He is playing very good NHL level hockey, and I would hate to see him get sent down. And you know, as much as as Carl Gunnarsson and the taking a piss story from the Stanley <laughs> Cup, as great as that is. Right now, I want Mikola in the lineup because it's, his hockey IQ seems to be off the charts, and and he's he's an effective two way defenseman, and you know he he is he is just another reason to be so much more hopeful about this team going forward in the next few years. Yeah, I, I mean, I've 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 liked him. It's been three games, so. It's it it is a, a grain of salt and all, but yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I think I've pleasantly happy with the way he's played. I've liked the way he's looked. He has he looks like he fits and belongs. So uh, assuming he keeps that up, now this this is interesting because this creates 
options for the Blues. Uh, deadline time, let's say we're uh, this May. Okay, well, maybe if the option to acquire a depth defenseman for the playoffs, like we did last year with Elzado, maybe we won't have to do something like that this year if we have a guy like Mikola who can be plugged in uh, if need be. Uh, so that would maybe allow us to do something else if we wanted to. Right. If Tarasenko's not coming back, do Depth you go scoring. Out, do you, right? Do you go get a Tyler Foley? Yeah. You know, do you get a guy like that? I don't know. What do you do? Yeah. I mean, I mean that, it, this is it, this is going to be interesting. Up options, right? If they keep playing like this and they keep winning, and it's like, I what, do, do you do you make a move at the deadline? I mean, you. I assume they'll probably tweak and get a depth something. Uh, be, I guess, but right, uh, and and I think that'll be uh, a big talking point for us going forward. Is you know what what is the you know the 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 thought as far as uh, Tarasenko's of the you know uh, possible possibilities of him coming back um, for for even the playoffs, let alone a stretch run. Yeah, he. Do, I don't. I. I'd be surprised if he's right. back for the stretch run. I'd, right. I'd, I, I, I'd be happy I with playoffs. Right. I, I be happy I, with playoffs. Honestly, with as, as great as this team has been about next man up, and we haven't missed him. No. And, that's and, crazy. Well, we the offense dropped off after he left. Right. But but they've but we they, picked it up in other right. areas. And, and, and they, now the offense has returned. Right. They've adopted. So, right, sure. So, so I would much rather see... Tarasenko take as much time as he needs I think, to become a hundred percent healthy. Same thing with he's Breaker still right now. he's still on the upswing of his career. He hasn't he hasn't hit that crest, you know. And, and I think when it comes to Petrangelo, he's the guy that you worry about. This is the crest of his career, and do you want to give him, you know, like like Jr. was saying, do you go as far as nine million to keep him here for the rest of his career? I, I think he again he's he's crested from here on out he he he'll have a couple of great solid years but I Petrangelo? yeah well I, I still think they did they, they you know, totally made the right move not bringing Bacchus back for his demands oh god yeah but uh, it's funny because the number he threw out for Petrangelo was eight point two five eight point five maybe right and it was funny because. That, I, I'm like that is like I I do believe that's the number I I about a seven to eight a seven and a half I think right. I said or no that, from uh, from a from a blues perspective from I said, a blues fan perspective eight point two five is the right number I think I said eight or something yeah. I, I was very very close to what I said because and I was very like I was very uh, I was questioning the people that said that uh, the blues need to give him ten. You know, I'm like ten. I said that's not. I they can't well, do Toronto. 10. Toronto would well. The Toronto media and the Toronto right. fans would give them ten in a heartbeat. Right. The Toronto media doesn't think there's a salary cap. Yeah. No. <laughs> um. I. I mean. Yeah, that was interesting. Uh, I was. I was happy to see that. Hear that. Uh, Rutherford thought that. Uh, that he's well below the ten million dollar. Uh, idea for the Blues, and I, I hope that Petrangelo is not expecting the Blues to. Maybe come close to ten million because I, yeah, I don't see that uh, at all. But yeah, I mean, but Perico too with uh, not rushing him back. Going back to that conversation, right? Uh, they're playing very well. There's no point. They could they could let him rest through the All Star break. We're off for twelve. Was it twelve day? Twelve. 12 right. Days? We have we have the entire week off around uh, before the All Star. And so, so where's my yeah. where's my calendar here? 
There it is. Uh, one, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight Col- days. Eight days. Right. Out. They play Colorado two o'clock on Saturday, and then they are off until Vancouver West Coast swing to come off the All Star break. Yeah, and that 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 game against Colorado before the break, that should be a good one. Yeah, At, in Colorado. And you got your Vancouver is playing well. You got your Calgary, Edmonton. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's see. Next up for the Blues, uh, we talked about it. Philadelphia tomorrow night. Elliot will be in net. Um, looking forward to it. I, uh, you worried about the break at all? Like being off eight days straight, screwing with the team on a mm. roll right now. No. Nah. All right. No. Um I, break. the fact that everyone has the break that right. doesn't bother me. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, and and you want the guys to to take a rest, go somewhere sunny. Uh, you know, don't do anything more physically strenuous than play some, you know, 36 holes of golf in a day. Um, go sit <laughs> on a beach, enjoy your life. You've earned it at this point, right? Um, Crappy goalie says uh, eight million for eight years too long. Possibly too long, but like like we talked about though. I mean, and we talked we've talked about it, and Jared talked about it. But you get the you get the term because the window's now, and you load up for your window. And right. You worry about four or five years from now later. Right. And a year a year from now, one of those guys is going to Seattle. I almost well, I almost asked Jr. about the whole uh, after you know because we were talking about Falk. And I almost asked him, I said, because the first couple of weeks the fuck was here, the first handful of games, he wasn't playing very well. And uh, we talked about it on the show. It was like, he, just, he needs to be better. He's a better player than this, and he's not playing that well. Um, and I don't think we were panicking. We were just, just like, it was just like, yeah, he just needs to be better. I think that's not, that's, an, that's not a groundbreaking statement. It was just kind of just an obvious thing. But then there were people that say, were saying that uh, he, well, you know, they have, the Blues have the option to expose him in the draft. And, uh, I was going to ask Jar about that, about, <laughs> about the the conversations about leaving him exposed in the draft. But he, Fox, I think Fox settling in nicely. I think he's been much better. So yeah, I mean, you expect the cap to go up a little bit next year. So Bo Meester probably not going to bring him back for for another year. Oh, you can't. Um, I don't, I don't yeah, know can, and yeah. Steen Steen's not going to be at the same money. Jake Allen won't be here. That there there should be enough money to to have the the three big right um, defensemen back with this team for a couple of years, but if they do have cap issues, you know the the you know in and kudos to Doug Armstrong for managing to this. You have the uh, expansion draft as a way out of these contracts. I'm looking at Steens here. Is there Steens? Yeah, he's uh yeah next year is the last year on his contract, 2021. And Bomeister, this is his last year. Yeah. Okay. Well, and then Falk just goes off the charts. Yeah, <laughs> Falk and and Schwartz, uh, Shen. Ah. Hmm. Oh. Any other comments we can read in the chat here, Jeff? Oh, there's a ton. <laughs> uh, crappy goalie responding to what you said. Uh, if they give him the term, I think he'd give on the AAV. 
BH Kell says six plus for seven years. Uh, Lights, uh, friend Scuba says uh, STL Elliots versus the Allen Lovers. So he's saying start Allen tomorrow, <laughs> which I don't know about that. Uh, let's see. We got a couple more questions here. People asking about uh, how much longer Falk has. Well, he signed that extension after, and it doesn't kick in until after this year. Right. He's here. So Falk eight, is here. Eight more years then. One, two, three, four. Yeah, it's off the chart here. It's I don't have the. It goes to twenty. I think it's eight more years. Yeah, it is. And one, two, three, four, five, six. And uh, cap friendly only shows the next six. So it's mm-hmm. a, so he's. 26 or 7. So it's 27, 28 is the last season he'd been a contract then. Uh, and then Austin Lynch says, I hope if we resign Petrangelo, he won't be a bust after getting a good contract like Eric Carlson. Uh, that's a little different situation, I think, because Carlson plays a much different game. I think I put the blame more on the Sharks than I do on Carlson on that contract. I think just knowing the type of game he plays, the punishment he takes – from opposing forwards and even other opposing defensemen, um, his shelf life of being a top caliber defenseman uh, is much shorter than a guy like Petro, who's not skating it through the neutral zone every chance he has. He's uh, moving the puck off. He's uh, you know using a good team game, whereas Carlson's a guy that learned uh, you know carry the puck, create the offense yourself, and uh, that's gonna be what leads us to success. That's not the way Petro plays, so I think it's a little different. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Eck is horrible from Scuba. <laughs> yeah. I think our friends at Teal Town, if they're still listening, they would agree. Um, Falk seems decent to me from Scuba, and uh, I agree. I think we all agree that he's a good guy to fit with this team if uh, you know he can keep what he's been doing lately, keep that going. Great fit for the Blues. It's just a matter of for those saying, well, that's going to replace Petro. Again, I think that's a completely different conversation. I don't think that's what he was brought in here to do. Um, what's the when's the end of Vlade's contract? That's from Austin Lynch. Uh, his last his he's under contract through twenty two twenty three. So he's got uh, three more seasons after this one. Scuba seems to think Petro has six years left in him. I hope you're right. Then that would mean an eight-year contract would be fine. I'd be good with that. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. Uh, Josh Webster says Elliot is going to have neck problems from looking behind him after tomorrow night. Haven't uh, we've played him since? Right. One time. I think we have. I thought we played him one time. I Calgary. I thought we played him one time, and I thought I don't think he fared too well. Yeah, it was. He did. uh, Jeff's right. It was uh, a a game he played for Calgary. Calgary. Yeah, because yep. uh, I I do believe um, the the game last year with Philadelphia was uh, with Bennington uh, the first start the shutout. Um, I I want to say that was uh, either Neuvert or Carter Hart was in yeah. net for them. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, light sound uh, again, Scuba. Uh, hey, Bill. Liverpool has five of the eleven team of the season starters. Guessing you know what that means? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, so, okay. so yeah. While so for Scuba and I, at this point, being a, this is the greatest time to be a Blues fan. Well, it might not be the greatest time to be a Liverpool fan. God damn, Liverpool is fucking good. <laughs> they they might not lose a game this season. 
How many games they play? 38. Wow. 38. 38. That's and a new state they, record. They are <laughs> That's a new uh, state record. They haven't they haven't lost at home in over a year. Um huh. and wow. they've they so far they haven't they haven't in a, in league play at least they haven't given up a loss uh for the season. They're they've drawn a couple, but they they look unstoppable. It's it much watch soccer. Okay. Austin Lynch is missing some of the segments that uh, we skipped over today. Uh, and we should at least uh, run through these pretty quick. Uh, official beers of the episode, question mark. Today in Blues history, question mark. Uh, well, let's do the beer real quick. I am all done with mine. In fact, I was done a while ago. Again, I am finishing off my Mary Berry Ale from Schlafly. So I think I've had this on the show for the last three weeks or so. Finished off uh, what I had left tonight. Um, What'd my, you have, Bill? My, my beverage of the moment is cucumber mint sparkling water from the <laughs> good folks at Good Gather. Couldn't gather. Uh, nice. No. My, uh, my beer of the show tonight, actually, I brought out a good one. Uh, the uh, Abraxas um mexican chocolate stout from oh, perennial uh it it is nice. a uh it is a coveted beer in uh st louis beer circles um uh, a nice spicy mexican uh chocolate stout perennial perennial made the top breweries in the nation yeah um St. Louis had a few in there. Yeah, uh, perennial second shift, and um, there's urban chestnut. Urban chestnut, which yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah, but it, it depends. I it love depends. second shift. Do, I love perennial. Like, it it depends on if you like German brew style. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. Um, I they have a couple beers I enjoy, but overall, I just think that I I I don't tend to drink their stuff. But whatever yeah. happened to their chocolate milk stuff they had uh, a few years ago? They stopped making it. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I don't know if they're. Uh, I I uh, did uh, make it to uh, Our the style, yeah. yeah the the uh, tap room that they have not the not the Grove one um, the other one Midtown um, and enjoyed uh, a couple of thrills and a cigar out on the uh, the patio a couple weeks back for a work Christmas party it was nice. Uh, mine is uh, Four Hands Chocolate Milk Stout. Uh, I usually have the. Uh, Absence of Light, which is the peanut butter chocolate milk stop. But this is their go this is their flagship almost. Uh their for this time their fall flagship uh chocolate milk stop, which one of the better cans, one of the better labels in St. Louis on these cans. It's a solid design. Enjoy. Uh it's today in Blues History, real quick. I'll roll through the first one. Uh we got three of them here, but I don't know. I was gonna say we could all take one, but I don't think Bill has the uh I don't think he has it in front of him. That's um, fine. No, I'll I'll take, he's, he's got, got it. it. He's got it. I've got it right here. Oh, there we go. All right, yeah. I'll take the first one just because this, uh, and the reason I say we should do these because this first one relates to tomorrow night pretty well. Uh, 114, so January 14th, 2016, Brian Elliott gets pulled by Ken Hitchcock, smashes his stick in the runway, uh, smashes the sticks in the runway, and Jordan Bennington makes his NHL debut versus the Carolina Hurricanes. That's a pretty big moment in Blues it history. It is, and I, I don't think that was talked about too much today. No, uh, it was a, yeah, his his very first NHL minutes were, and he didn't. He gave up a goal on a few shots or something like that. It wasn't that great of a. Yeah, it it was less yeah, than remarkable. I remember remarkable. a breakaway where he he just like watched the guy skate in and shoot, and he didn't even move. It was like the smallest. We talked about that. Oh, like the no. the smallest of sample sizes is what yeah. it was. Yeah, he played like yep. 
not yeah. even a full like he i think he played like 12 minutes or something and got like four or five shots and one yeah. goal against it was terrible yeah. definitely um the only thing about that moment that portended the future was elliot not being in the blues long-term plans right and, and getting replaced by the younger younger dude uh you want the second one bill sure uh, January 14th, 1990. So um, I was in eighth grade at this point. Uh, Brett Hall recorded his fourth career hat trick in the same arena where his father's jersey was retired. St. Louis Blues came back from a 5-1 to one deficit to tie, only to lose 6-5 to five versus the Winnipeg Jets. And I bet you a lot of people thought that they were going to say Chicago. With the retired Hull jersey. The WHA, Winnipeg Jets, where Bobby Hull took his racist shit to get some WHA money. Racist Nazi stuff. Hitler had some good ideas. (laughs) Do they still honor the retired numbers from the old Winnipeg team in Winnipeg? That's a good question. I don't know. Nah. I don't know if they do or not. I'm gonna try to look that up yeah. while we uh, wrap up the show here. Uh, the last, uh, the last uh, today in Blues history, courtesy of the at STL Blues History Twitter account, January 14th, 1998, St. Louis Blues announced the establishment of the 14 Fund in honor of Doug Wickenheiser. Wick was late for the pregame ceremony, and the ceremony had to be postponed. <laughs> Oops. And uh, speaking of which. Uh, it has been said that the fourteen, right banner, yeah, is has been missing. taken down. Yeah, it hasn't and, been there all season. Right, and and it was STL Blues history who yeah. was leading the inquest. I'm like, what? That's troublesome. Why? Why? Yeah, is I don't understand. Yeah, and I and I get okay. Well, maybe it was damaged or dirty or something. I'm like, why has it been gone all season? I mean, why not get a new one and replace it or something? That's it's weird to me. I'm not. I don't understand this. I need answers. <laughs> I, th- I think we need some crack investigative journalism. Yeah, the fourteen. Some somebody on this. You can't unhonor a number, can you? Unless it comes out that he was like a molester of children or something. And I don't think that's going to be the case. No, I'm saying, but that's, he, I mean, that's the only reason. Of- he was a victim of the cancers. I understand. I know right. that. Right. But I'm just saying that No. You won't you wouldn't un honor a number. Right. And, and so who was the last blue to wear fourteen? Was it Eric Boganicki? <laughs> I can look it up. I think that's right actually. Uh wait a minute. Kevin Dolman. I don't remember, but I feel like it's Kevin Dolman. I thought he was. If I got 38. that right, I am going to just Okay. Fourteen, the last player. Dolman did not wear it. Boganicki, last player to wear it. Oh, one, oh, two. I yeah. I, I I was gonna say Courtnall, but that was before Boganicki. Right, because it was it was uh, Todd Ellick, um, Kevin Miller. Yeah. That may be the Kevin you were thinking of. Uh, Ponder, Paul Cavallini, oh, yeah. uh, Paul Cavallini, Bill and Root. I I don't. Bill Root was. I, I can't remember him playing here, but he, he played for the Maple Leafs um, in the mid-'80s. Uh, one of the games that uh, that Ponder put up on YouTube, um, the, the Blues versus Leafs in 86, uh, 
um, in the uh, Campbell Conference. 67. Yeah, Bill Root was uh, a key player in that series. Um, oh, that one, yeah, 86. Sorry, you're right. Um, so I looked up. Uh, I did not see anything on the Jets' website about retired numbers. But then I thought, wait a minute, you said uh, Bobby Hall's number nine was retired by the organization. So mm-hmm. I thought, do they have a number nine right now? And I looked, and they do. Huh. Andrew Kopp, where's yep. number nine? So that answers so that I question. I guess that means they do not honor the old retired numbers. Which technically is true, is accurate. I mean, that's probably correct. Right. I think that's fine. Technically speaking. If you think about if it. If you think about it. Really. <laughs> um, I, I got nothing else, guys. It's been a good show. It has been a good show. Two hours and Long show. 15 minutes. Long show. Long show, but a you good show. You know what's funny is we say constantly all the time, one of us will be like, the show needs to be shorter tonight, guys. I got something going in the morning or I'm tired. We're like, okay, yeah, we'll make sure it's shorter. Usually those ones go a little longer. Yeah, I don't know why that is. And I, I knew with Rutherford on, I thought that uh, it would go longer, but I thought we were doing really good on time for a while, and then it just kind of the last... Last bit of the show kind of just took a while. We spiraled. Yeah, we did. So, oh well. It happens. We'll do better next time. Well, when you're the original Blues Hockey Podcast, often imitated, sometimes impregnated, that's just going to happen. <laughs> uh, that'll wrap up episode 48 of season 8 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go Blues Radio. Thanks for listening, and thanks to those who participated in the YouTube chat, and thanks to Jeremy Rutherford again for joining us. That was a lot of fun and very interesting. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed the show as much as we've enjoyed bringing it to you. For Jeff Ponder and Bill Day, I'm Kurt Price. Until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. (laughs) Let's go Blues. Party all the time, party all the time. Uh, the Chiefs are at home tonight against Cyanusport at the War Memorial at 8. Good seats are still available. A look at sports. I think that went very well. Thank you for listening to Let's Go Blues Radio. Now take off, hosers. Well, there's 90 minutes of your life you'll never get back. Sorry. St. <laughs> Louis Blues. St. Louis Blues. Have you heard the news about our St. Louis Blues? Only just begun, they're on their way to number one. Now there's no more blues for our St. Louis Blues. The blues are on the ice tonight again. They're rough and tough and got the stuff to win. They'll always get one more, no matter what the score. They are quite a hockey team, my friend.